Hey there, it's Rachel Ballinger, and I am thrilled to invite you to Rachel Uncensored, my podcast where I get real with my friends and celebrity guests, where we talk about all sorts of topics. From personal stories to hot-button issues, we cover it all. New episodes drop every Wednesday, so make sure you tune in on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Trust me, you won't want to miss out on the fun and candid conversations we have here on Rachel Uncensored. Welcome back to another episode of Mother May I Sleep a Podcast. Today I have on my daughter, Amaris. I mean, she's not, I didn't give birth to her. She's actually back at her parents' house in Florida right now, but um, she is my friend. We have a generational friendship and intergenerational friendship, and I love her very much. For today's movie, I decided we had to do a mother-daughter movie, and some of the choices on the Lifetime Movie Club were probably better choices than the one we wound up going with, but we decided Party Mom was the movie for us. Amaris, hi, how are you, my love? I'm really good. I'm I'm excited to talk about this train wreck. I mean, I have to tell you, this truly is probably one of the worst movies we've ever done. Really? I was so like, I don't know what the bar is. I haven't really seen a Lifetime movie in a really long time, but I was like, oh my God. Yeah. So this is like one of those movies that was made around 2018, which is when I think they were pumping out a lot of Lifetime movies really fast. Same with like 2019. It seemed like they were just in a race to get a lot of content out. Um, And some of these movies definitely suffer because of that. But this movie in particular, I mean, it has a 4.8 on IMDb, which as we know, like the Lifetime movies, we tend to watch like range between like a five and a six usually. So this is even low for that. Mm -hmm. Um, And I'll just read this IMDb review without spoilers um, because it, it summarizes what's going on with this movie perfectly plot holes big enough to drive a 30 minute episode of Alf through. Krista Allen is fantastic as the party mom, but it's not enough to save this one. The story idea was really good, but the presentation was not. The whole thing seems too hastily put together, and there are a few plot holes big enough to drive a 30-minute episode of Elf through. Some key points, uh, some key parts of the cast seem pretty much asleep. My standards for made for TV fair aren't that high, but this one still doesn't make the cut two out of ten. I love that they liked That's their right elf it. joke enough to <laughs> do it twice. We get two elf jokes. Yeah, I do agree that. Um, I'm sorry, the actress's name is Krista Alley. Is Krista right? Allen, and she is. Allen, she's so good. She does a lot of Lifetime movies. I don't know if we've. I feel like her name is very familiar, and we probably have done a movie with her before, but. She um, is from the series, you know, she was in Baywatch, the L.A. Complex, which I believe Mm. was a almost like a Degrassi spinoff that was on the CW. I think I think Cassie Steele was in that one. She was on the Starter Wife. What about Brian? Um, She's had a long career, basically. And she's a you know, she's a very pretty lady. She's like a good, solid, hot mom type character. The thing with this movie is the dialogue was just so thin and none of it was believable. Conversations were like, (laughs) there's like an awkward smile in between like every other line. Um, Yeah. 
it was, I mean, but you know, as soon as the movie started, I had like a huge crush on Party Mom. <laughs> you loved her? Well, I was like, I love her. I was like, oh my God, she's so hot. <laughs> let's go up. That carried still. me through it. Let's go up to when we meet Party Mom. Let's walk through that part and then we'll play the clip when, when our girl Jackie is first on the screen. So it's a Marvista entertainment joint. You know, I this is if you're a listener of the show, you know that this is one of my faves in terms of production companies. And we open up in a Beverly Hills home at night and a man with a ski mask has broken into a house and he's making his way up the stairs. And we see a teen girl is in her room packing a suitcase. And when he senses that she's about to come out into the hall, he runs back down the stairs. And right when she gets to the foyer with her bag, the intruder steps out from behind a wall and shoots. So then we cut to daytime. A father is dropping his daughter off in his truck. So this is Gary, the dad, and his daughter, Brittany, who's our heroin i mean i'll be honest i feel like this movie the cast and who we chose to follow in this movie were confusing to me because it was really weird i feel like it starts like an hour in kind of yes 100 percent. and like if they had chosen to follow jackie and her daughter this would have made more sense or if it had been more like establishing the family dynamic at the top of the movie with the family from Lake Balboa, that would have made a lot more sense to me too. But it's this sort of like mishmash of storytelling where you really want to follow Jackie because that story is so much more interesting. But if they're not going to give us full-blown Jackie, at least give us enough of an attachment to this family um, in Lake Balboa. But He drops off his daughter and they're both really surprised at the size of the house. And he offers to take her past the gate to the top of the hill, but she tells him she can handle it. So there's this like little moment where she's at the speaker box in front of the house and she asks, you know, if she can come in. And it's like some drunk teenager answering the door. And he's like, are you hot? And she's like, it's Brittany. And he is like, oh, we we got got a hottie here. (laughs) New girl. Um. Did this like remind you of like what it what it used to sound like it it was to get into the Playboy Mansion? It almost felt inspired by that. Maybe so. Um, we got a hottie here. It was kind of <laughs> they need to maybe um, make it a little more exclusive sounding. Right. It it definitely like there was this feeling to me of, oh, it's a big deal to get past the gate and no one who isn't hot can get past the gate. Not even the dad driving the car, which, by the way, like seems logistically knowing Beverly Hills kind of like a nightmare that they didn't let him turn his truck around in the driveway. (laughs) Like the idea of him backing into what's probably like a busy sunset Boulevard was logistically sort of scary for me, but um, they let Brittany in. And when she gets up to the house, I mean, this is, we don't know enough about Brittany yet, but we should know that this is kind of fast paced for her. And One of the things that's really difficult with this movie, too, is we're trying to establish the class difference between Brittany's family and Jackie Ashley's family. Right. So, yeah, their way of doing that is to put Brittany in a pair of Keds, essentially. (laughs) And 
But like they all look like they're from the same type of money. They all look like middle class. Basically, there's no real differentiation between what Ashley is wearing versus what Brittany wears. Right. Yeah, I I agree with that. She, so, she looked like she belonged, you know, it was just like wasn't the odd one out. Yeah, like I'm not buying the idea that like she looks like a poor person or whatever it is that her friend Rita is going to say, let's introduce uh, Jackie. As soon as Brittany walks in to this party house, she meets our mom. Let's play 441 to 602. Hey, you must be Brittany. Oh, yes. Hi, you must be Ashley's mom. It, it's nice to meet you, Mrs. Anderson. Oh, God, don't do that again, please. I'm so sorry. What What did I say? Mrs. Don't call me Mrs. My, my plastic surgeon works way too hard on this face to be called anything but Jackie. Got it? Got it. Yeah. Why don't you come in? Ashley's getting dressed upstairs. She'll be down in a minute. I mean, you really look more like Ashley's sister, to be honest. <laughs> wow. Okay. All right. Now you're mm-hmm. getting it. I think I'm going to like you. Oh, oh. oh, hey, boys. How you doing, Jack? <laughs> Did you see that? They were checking you out. Oh, no, no, they're not. <laughs> no, they are. You know what? You need a drink. Um, what do you want? Do you want soda, uh, tequila, beer, wine, vodka, rum? Uh, soda is great. Soda me. and vodka. You're my kind of girl. Okay, I'll go get it. Wait. <laughs> Jackie, where'd you go? I know, we were right in the middle of our drinking game and I was getting ready to destroy the new kid down the street. Um, I'm sorry, this is this is Brittany. This is one of Ashley's new friends. Um, these are my besties, Rita and Donna. Hi, Rita and Donna. Hi, honey. Hi. Okay, enough with the pleasantries. Let's get back to the party. Okay. Uh, Don't steal anything. Come, come on, get in here. Did you notice her shoes? I mean, where did she get those big box? Okay. So I don't know about you, but like the second an on-camera personality, an actress or whatever in a movie mentions their plastic surgery as like an idea of something that's regular and normal for them, I can't stop examining the actress and wondering if it's true. You know, I didn't really think about that, but that's that's a good point. Um, Like she was like, I mean, she looks great. Um, so whatever she had done, it's working. But um, that's a good point. Like, I don't want to hear a character that's like possibly most likely naturally pretty talking about her plastic surgery unless it's they go and get like a Rena or someone who's <laughs> clearly had plastic surgery because then you're like, oh, okay. But otherwise, as an actress, I would never be like, oh, yeah, just say I had plastic surgery unless I really had. Right. Not that she can really like push back on the line. I think that they are definitely trying to go for this Beverly Hills housewife thing, Um, you know, really shameless. But, you know, I was underage going to parties in L.A. like when I first like came out here. And it would be a lie to say that there aren't parents that are incredibly permissive of drinking and bad behavior, especially in L.A. Like, you know, most kids have already gone to rehab by the time they're 19. Right. But not most kids, but in certain circles. Right. And so I just like sort of how over the top it is and how out of place they look in this like big house that's sort of bare 
And we have these two cartoonish best friends, Rita and Donna. They gave me major like Sonia and Ramona energy or something. Yeah, they're going for that. They're going for that thing. And it's just it's also over the top. And I feel like in a movie, if this was a play, I feel like their acting would be appropriate. But in a movie, there's no smallness to it. Right. Like there should be more smallness to their acting. They, they're they already dressed like like absolute cartoons of human beings drinking out of plastic margarita glasses like it's already over the top. You don't have to, like, be so extra with the acting. <laughs> um, and you're right about the house being bare. I was like, looks like they just rented this place for a couple days. Yeah, versus um, the house that Brittany lives in, which I think they did a really good job of that. I That's, like, one of my biggest pet peeves yeah. with Lifetime movies is that they look like no one lives in the house. They really look like they just rented and showed up the day of and didn't do anything. The house that um, Brittany and her family live in does look lived in. It looks like a real family home, Um, which maybe they did that to sort of establish like the warmth versus when there's not love in a house. But anyway, um, the shoe line is supposed to lay the groundwork for the idea that poor people are viewed as negative by this set of people well like meanwhile lake balboa is a perfectly lovely suburb like i think the median income there is like seventy five thousand dollars, which is not insane for la but i mean for a median income of a place that's supposed to be like oh you know what a bogan part of town um (laughs) not bad right like it's not it's not like you hear anywhere in the valley like mentioned and you're like oh that's where poor people live (laughs) <laughs> and, and and you know their house was like I thought their house was pretty cute um I I don't know like their you said the contrast is kind of like not super defined so Ashley comes downstairs and says that she wasn't sure if Brittany was coming or not because she didn't post anything on social media she figured she would at least like tweet out that she was going to Ashley's amazing party And Brittany says that it didn't occur to her to post something like that. And Ashley says, well, that's what I like about you. You're just so oblivious to everything around you, Um, which doesn't line up with the kind of friend Ashley winds up being to Brittany. Yeah, I thought Ashley's character, I, I really, she, she seemed like a sweetheart. Um, And that first, their first interaction, I feel like isn't, uh, really reflective of of how she is the rest of the movie right like there is a like could be a theory that as the movie goes on and the stakes start to become more and more intense like more superficial layers of ashley are peeled back and she becomes more of a real person but again this movie doesn't like get deep enough into anything to really grab on to who these people are as characters i mean i think you know this was like I think just a product of trying to get a movie out too quickly because it, and it sucks because like, this is a great concept, right? Mm -hmm. This original movie was called nightmare moms, which doesn't really fit either. Cause there's really only one nightmare mom in this movie. 
Um, but the idea of a mom who's like permissive of partying at her house and how it can lead to bad things is, I think, a really solid lifetime idea. It just wasn't executed well. Um, I don't know that I've seen um, like any other of Michael Pfeiffer's movies. He's a pretty prolific lifetime writer and director as of the last few years, and he's a pretty big producer as well. Um, but this this movie felt really rushed to me. So they go out to the pool and Brittany sits on the side of the hot tub with Ashley and they're taking selfies. They're doing like classic pretty girl making an ugly face type faces. <laughs> and Brittany tells Ashley to not post some of the pictures because she doesn't want her mom to see them. But Ashley assures her that her mom will just be happy that she's hanging out with awesome people, which is, I think their way of of winking at us about what Ashley thinks a mom's priorities are right yeah I also loved the line when she said pose like you're in an an Italian movie or something or magazine um yeah she's like you know she yells to like a group of people like guys pose no not like that like you're in you're an Italian magazine or something and then Jackie photo bombs them i mean it's all this is all like really chaotic and party scenes on a low budget aren't ideal anyway like it just winds up looking messy the fact that this is a pool party is kind of really what saves it because pool parties are more sparse and casual but it just is like it just was like chaotic honestly so ashley tells Brittany that she set up a chatorama account for her And she already has 300 followers. And then we hear a scream. One of the boys at the party is drowning in the pool. And these two guys, Dylan and Travis, jump into the pool and they put him, you know, they pull the guy out. They put him up on the side of the pool and Jackie's freaking out. Ashley, at one point, tries to take a photo of it. But Jackie stops her because this could get them in a lot of trouble if anything happens. That's called foreshadowing. So the boy coughs up some water and he comes to and Donna leans over to Jackie and she's like, you're really lucky that this guy's okay because his dad is a big lawyer who could have taken everything from you. And Jackie, you know, asks the boy, she's like, are you all right? Like, go lay down in one of the guest rooms. So there's like a near drowning incident. And Ashley turns to her mom and she's like, mom, I was really nervous. You were going to like pull the plug on the party. And Jackie's like, of course not. I'm the party mom, aren't I? So that's like the first, you know, 12 minutes are spent on that. And I just hated it. I have to be honest. I just hated it. Yeah, it was it was very flat. And, um, you you know, for introducing the characters, you just really didn't get a lot out of them. Um, right. Like, you, you don't really get the deal of what's going on. So then, like... I mean, you do in a way, but it's just not... You know, it's, there's not a lot of substance there. Yeah, it, it really does feel like a play that was written by high schoolers about the way things can go bad when people underage drink like it feels like a semester project where it's like okay at the end of the semester every group is gonna turn in a play about something bad that can happen when you know you're not responsible with substances it feels like a play that was written by the dare program honestly (laughs) because 
the like you know what we appreciate about movies generally is the smallness of the performances and allowing for big comedic spikes but any like anything that's happening here it feels like i don't know it feels like we're i don't it just feels none of it feels real it's not nothing's tangible and then this is where we go to the house in lake balboa and we meet britney's family And her mom calls for her to come downstairs and she says she's going to be late to school if she doesn't wake up or she's going to be late if she doesn't wake up. Now, this is what was unclear to me, too. So I I assumed that this was during the school year, but I guess this is. Like Brittany is going to a private school when school starts in this in the fall and she already made a friend from the school district and and they're trying to like get her social life going at this school right right yeah I think it's like summer or something um school hasn't started I don't really know how they met yeah it's unclear so she goes upstairs to wake her up and Brittany's having a hard time getting out of bed and she tells her mom she can just ride share to uh to where she's going but her mom says no I don't like you using those services get up now you know, I can drop you off before my shift. So downstairs, Emma, the younger daughter and the dad are (laughs) eating breakfast in the kitchen. And Caroline says that it's true what people say about teenagers. They love to sleep. And her husband, Gary, says that she didn't come home until 2 a.m. And this is news to Caroline. So this is interesting, right? Like, how does Caroline not know her daughter's coming home at 2 a.m., but Gary does? Like, are they right. watching her on the ring.com doorbell or is Gary, like, up late watching sports and then the daughter comes in drunk? Like, I, it, it doesn't make sense for this family to be as strict as they are and for the daughter to just casually come home at 2 a.m. and have her mom not know. Yeah, I was surprised that her mom didn't know the the little sister though I have to say even though her (laughs) I felt like she had big gay energy um (laughs) so she brought kind of like a nice little laughs to me I was like oh this is like the the little like the young gay sister (laughs) even though she's like a child I'm not like sexualizing her no I just mean like her energy you know yeah (laughs) and she would just like mimic like the things the parents would say (laughs) Yeah, the sister, like they, the way they filmed her singles in this, in this scene were really uncomfortable because they, this actress, like just was sort of playing it very real. Um, Mm -hmm. But at the same time, kind of the way you probably would if you were on Nickelodeon and they said, like, just play this like real, but she's not, she's not a dramatic actress. So, like, anything, anything. (laughs) Anytime the camera was just on Emma, it was super weird. And I, I think I, I know what you mean about <laughs> her giving you gay energy. Um, so her dad asks uh, Brittany, you know, where where's my good morning? And it's very it's obvious that she's a daddy's girl. Right. And that she has tension with her mom. And yeah. she joins them at the table and she asks her dad if she's going to get a car when she turns 16. And nobody moves like it's dead silent. And then finally, they all erupt with laughter and they're like, are you serious? And she's like, yeah, all my friends drive around Beverly Hills and Mercedes. And her dad says that this is Lake Balboa. 
And her mom says that when she gets her license, she can borrow one of the family cars, but the family isn't buying their daughter a luxury car type of family. Like that's not really who they are. Besides, they're already paying out of the ass for her school tuition. So it's funny because like, I feel like by the time I was, you know, 15 and a half, I definitely had the temperature on whether or not I'd be getting a car, which was, I was not getting a car. (laughs) Exactly. Yeah. It's, it's not like something that you just like shocked to learn one day. Yeah. And not to say that I wasn't like ever bratty. Like I remember getting into a fight with my mom when I was in college because I wanted to go on spring break and I like kind of couldn't understand like why my mom just simply couldn't pay for me to go on spring break with everyone else. Um, And that was like bratty. That was definitely like I look back on that and I was like, that was a true moment of being bratty from you. Um, Mm -hmm. And also expecting something that, let's be honest, Molly, was not on your radar previously. Like you just went to school with rich kids and all of a sudden felt like you should be going to spring break with everyone else. Um, (laughs) But yeah, it's um, it's 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 interesting how quickly this character is sort of deluded about what her lifestyle is when her dad is like sitting there next to her with his like name tag on to go to his whatever job it is he has. I mean, they make it seem like these parents like clock in and out of their shifts at like retail jobs or something, or like, you know, her dad's like cleaning toilets all day. But realistically, that home that they have, like they have to be doing somewhat okay to even have that home. Right. Um, what did you think the dad's job was? You know, I actually thought he was like a car mechanic. Um, cause I mean, I don't know anything about car mechanics, but I feel like that's the outfit they wear. Um, you know, like the ones where their names is like already sewn into the, I don't know. Yeah. He definitely like works for Orkin or pool cleaning or some sort of service like that, where you show up to someone's home with like your name emblazoned mm-hmm. on your chest. Um, so Caroline, you know, tells her you have to be ready in five minutes. And when she runs upstairs, um, they, you know, they're like, something's up with her. So Caroline tells Gary that she'll see him that night. And, you know, the two of them are a very lovey couple. Um, They really are like very, very affectionate. I don't know how long they were supposed to have been married, but at least 15 years. Right. And they're very... They act like they're, you know, like they just got married yesterday and she tells him that she's worried that they've lost their little girl. And he reminds her that she's just a teenager and she was probably like that as a teen, too. And she says, no, I was perfect. And he goes, well, you're still perfect. And they kiss on the mouth once more on the front lawn. Like this couple really loves to kiss on the mouth, like truly all the time. (laughs) They're sneaking makeouts. Um, But. Caroline tells Brittany that they can't be late every single day. And Brittany asked her to drop her off at the back of the mall. So this is when I'm like, what is going on? Like, why, why is she take, why is she taking her to the mall before school? Right. Yeah. That's when I was confused too. It made no sense. Right. So she drops her off at this like big outdoor mall and she's like, are you embarrassed 
you know, are you ashamed to be seen with me? Are you embarrassed because of the car I drive? And Emma says that it's, you know, Emma chimes in from the back and she's like, it's because Ashley drives a Mercedes. And Caroline looks at her and is like, Ashley drives a Mercedes. And she goes, yeah, mom, I already told you that. It's like the one Kylie has. And this was like, just like kind of lazy writing to me because we literally just had the Mercedes conversation less than four minutes ago. Yeah. Like, (laughs) I I was just having a really hard time understanding like what it was. It it was so clunky. It was really clunky. And so then Caroline says that she gets it. She doesn't want to be the girl with the practical mom who makes mortgage payments instead of car payments. Then Brittany gets out and she goes to meet her friends and she's at the Simi Valley Town Center. I this mall was incredibly recognizable to me when I saw it, but only as a typical SoCal mall. It looks like a mishmash of all of those malls that exist along the entire, you know, coast of this state where it's like a big outdoor plaza with, you know, stores in it. It looks a little bit like a town square, but also is definitely a mall. There's probably also like oddly office buildings in this space as well. Um, But what do you think about this back and forth dialogue where Caroline is paranoid that her daughter is ashamed of her because I feel like I would sort of expect that of my teenager yeah I'm you know I'm trying to like think of my own life if you know moments where because that's like a shitty feeling you know like um being kind of embarrassed or ashamed of uh your parents or what you have or don't have um and I I get her mom's like you know, I have a sensitive mom. She would like easily be um, hurt by something like that. Um, so I get where she's coming from. It is a teenager, but I don't know. I, I, I kind of felt bad for her in the moment. Well, I don't think you would even do that if I'm being honest about like who you are. I don't think you would even be ashamed. But as like if I was in that position as a mom, I don't think I would take it personally. I think that I would think that my daughter's in the wrong school if those are the types of friends she has. Right. Because like I wouldn't want my kid to be like raised to think that she's lesser than because she doesn't mm-hmm. have money. And I think that that's also the sort of unfortunate nature of like having a regular life in a in a world like in LA. Like I knew people who grew up here and had, you know, a very middle class lifestyle but went to some of the bigger private schools like, you know, a uh, Campbell Hall or something. And compared to their classmates, I mean, they definitely thought they were living in poverty. Because their classmates, you know, all had their own cars. They were very, very wealthy. Like looking at a middle class life compared to that, you can't help but feel like you don't fit in, I think, at that age. But that has to be like a discussion that starts at home. Like you're not poor. They're just absurdly wealthy. Yeah, it's not realistic, honey. Right, exactly. And there Caroline does like like have a conversation with her a little bit later where this starts to make sense, but that scene is a nightmare. So 
Um, you know, Caroline asks her when she's going to be home and she says she doesn't know, but she'll call them when she's done. And her mom tells her not to do anything crazy. And Brittany basically shuts the car door in her face. So Brittany meets Ashley, who introduces her to her friends and they all love Brittany's heels. And I don't really know when this happens, but apparently Brittany got out of the car wearing sneakers and then all of a sudden she's there in heels and she's not carrying any kind of bag that suggests that she would have a pair of heels stuffed in her backpack. Yeah, that was so weird. I was like, what's going on here? Like, did she duck into a Payless and like buy some (laughs) shoes? I was so I was so confused about how that happened. And Caroline, while, you know, all of these intros are happening, Caroline does a loop around the mall to see what Brittany is up to. And Emma's like, Mom, are you stalking her? And she's like, she's like, no, I just want to see who she's talking to. And she notices that Brittany has these heels on all of a sudden. She asked Emma when she could have gotten those heels. And I'm like, I wish Emma had the answer to that because I am going to be bothered by it for the rest of the movie. So <laughs> Ashley clocks Caroline's car and she asks Brittany if that's her mom because she saw that creeper van at school the other day. And Brittany's like, no, my mom's at work. Um, and Emma says, you know, she sees that Emma's seeing all this happen. She's like, she caught us, mommy. And she goes, now she knows I'm always watching. So this is... um you know, this is, this is a thing. This is, it's weird. First of all, what do you like, are they going to summer school? That's I yeah, think that's, part of the confusing. I was so confused there too. Yeah. Cause it's like, then I guess maybe this is the weekend, but also there's a, a thing coming up later on where they're like, you don't start school for another two months. I mean, it, this really could have been cleared up with a line where she's like, I'm going to go meet my friend from, from summer school. Yeah. You know, we're going to be friends and we're like, you know, we're going to be friends in the fall. So I'm going to play this scene between Ashley and Brittany when they start to understand each other a little bit more, just in terms of like the way this scene is directed. I, you can tell that the four girls they cast to be Ashley's friends are, they didn't have the money to give them a line or something. Because the four girls are just standing behind them. Like they're, they have no place in this conversation. (laughs) The two of them are just having their conversation together. And then after I play the clip, you hear Ashley say, girls, come on. And so then the four girls who are like three feet behind them, not at all involved in the conversation, start walking with them. It's the directing on this scene is bizarre. Um, let's play 1628 to 1830. Okay. So when are you going to buy something? Everything looks so cute on you. I don't know. I guess nothing's really just speaking to me. <laughs> really? Cause everything is speaking to me. Yeah. <laughs> so where do you live? Uh, like up in the Valley, that area, Hidden Hills. They have their own riding rings. No, Calabasas. That place is so nice. I see it on TV like all the time. I live in Lake Balboa. Wait, where is that? That sounds really pretty. Yeah, it is. It's it's really exclusive place right in the middle of the valley. Oh, cool. Well, hey, maybe we can have a party at your place sometime. Yeah, that that'd be great. So, where does your dad live? Uh, Santa Barbara. I don't see him very often. Why does he live so far? He actually wanted to live farther, but my mom wouldn't let him. (laughs) He, like, hates her. She took 70% of what he owns, so he lives far enough away where she doesn't come bugging him all the time, but also still kind of close so he can see me every so often. 
wow. Uh, that's, that's bad. What about your parents? They've been happily married for 18 years. Wow, that's really weird, especially in L.A. I hope they're not staying together for you and your sister. No, I mean, I think they actually like each other. Like a team. In fact, they love ganging up on me and making my life living hell. <laughs> yeah, well, at least they don't uh, host your parties and try to take all your friends. That's <laughs> true. Everybody calls her the party mom. That's cool. Yeah, they think it's cool, but I don't know. I think it's kind of like gone out of hand. I don't know, what do you think? Oh, gosh, I don't, I don't know. I mean, I wish my mom was more like that. She's so straight-laced. Maybe if we close our eyes and chant over and over again, we can, like, switch places. Like in all the movies. Yes, I love this idea. Let's do it now. <laughs> I'm really glad we met. You know, those pretty girls have to stick together. Well, you're right about that. <laughs> all right. I mean, okay, so I think we can always, like, all agree that the grass is always greener, right? I mean, Ashley definitely... Yeah. I don't think she knows how to articulate yet that she wishes she could just have a normal mom, but that's what I'm getting from her. And of course our girl, Brittany thinks her mom is boring and stifling, which, you know, as someone who had like the young mom out of all my friends, I always wished my mom just like showed up to school with like a short haircut and a minivan, just <laughs> being like a relaxed, chill, older mom. Um, but you know, it's, a uh, I, it's unclear what's going on here. I mean, as much as it couldn't be more simple, I'm very confused about all of this. And it's great that now we know, you know, Ashley is a product of divorce. We know that Brittany is uncomfortable with her standing in the world. She feels like she is not as fancy as they are. Um, I'm confused. I have to say I'm confused. Yeah, I... I love how she made up the lie about like Balboa being really exclusive place as if Ashley couldn't easily find out the truth. Yeah. Or as if like, if you grow up in LA, like your life is set just in Beverly Hills. Like that's not true at all. Like everyone I know that grew up here spent a lot of time in almost every town and neighborhood in LA. Like Beverly Hills is definitely a, like a bubble if you want it to be, but it's like weird that they're at the Simi Valley shopping center, like, <laughs> which is like kind of out there, but somehow she doesn't know about Lake Balboa, which is sort of like, I don't know. I mean, compared to like, she also is also her saying, Oh, yeah, I see Calabasas on TV all the time. Well, like, no shit. We all have keeping up with the Kardashians. Yeah. But like more than that, like, have you never been like to a birthday party at a farm or have you never been to like, I don't know, just like isn't your dentist over there or something? It's just <laughs> weird the way that they talk about Los Angeles like it's a whole ass state. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. This movie's so fucking uncomfortable. It's so very awkward. Um, I, I do feel though that this movie seems like it was written for a child to understand. Like it has a very <laughs> ABC family quality to it where 
I mean, I don't want to say that like, oh, it's some like male writer and he didn't like give nuance to this or whatever. But it does feel a little bit like the guy's like, oh, I don't know. I feel like this is what two girls would talk about. Like what teenage girl like literally looks at another teenage girl is like, well, us hot girls have to stay together. Like how inflated is this girl's (laughs) sense of (laughs) self-esteem? Yeah. And like, you know, that was a scene where we're finally getting to know Ashley a little more and we see like she's not just superficial, but then like they have to end the conversation that way. But then like like, Brittany is pretending that like she isn't middle class and then she points to a store and goes, oh, there's a sale over there. (laughs) And I'm like, girl, what's the storyline? Like, are you... (laughs) Is there so much stuff at the mall that you want to buy that you can't decide on anything to buy? Or are you restricted to the sales section? Like, what is going on? Yeah. I don't know. The story doesn't line up. I feel like this was written by, like, I don't know. I don't want to dunk on Michael Pfeiffer. I just feel like he doesn't understand women. Yeah. The, the conversations, it's just not, you know, the dialogue wasn't. It was just awkward. I mean, I literally felt like every line was supported by an awkward smile. <laughs> right. To like connect it to the next line. Yeah, I will say that I feel like these actors are like working their ass off to make this yeah. less uncomfortable. <laughs> but it's like, you know, this was written and directed by the same person. And I have spoken to like other people who have written or directed for a lifetime. And it does sound like typically the director will take a script and sort of put their hands on it and like, you know, make sure that it has a final touch on it. And maybe this is slightly a victim of Michael writing and directing this movie because it's not like it got to go into someone else's hands and get like a fluff Mm -hmm. up or anything that would make sense once the movie is cast and everything um it just feels like kind of like lazy like no one spoke up yeah um but yeah they're all standing like so the girls are like standing behind them I already mentioned that but then Gary pulls up to Ashley's house that evening to pick Brittany up and she's telling him about how nice Ashley's house is apparently the pool looks over all of Beverly Hills and he asks if they're a family that actually loves each other and she's like well you know I guess her parents broke up a few years ago but her mom loves her I mean they go shopping they go on vacation they go to spas all the time She's never actually heard Jackie tell Ashley that she loves her, though. And she proceeds to say that she was learning about narcissism in school last year, and she thinks that Mrs. Anderson might be the first narcissist she's ever met. She doesn't know if she comes cares about anyone besides herself, not even her daughter, but she thinks that she does really love Ashley. She just doesn't know how to show it the way that her family does. So let's unpack this, okay? Yeah. Who's who the fuck is teaching eighth graders about narcissism? <laughs> Literally what I was thinking. I can't remember ever talking about narcissism in high school. Is it like in the world of like Greek mythology, like Narcissus <laughs> or whatever? <laughs> Maybe. I mean, I just can't why they would like lob a It was such an awkward line the way she just said that. 
I can only imagine it started in like a Greek mythology class and they very vaguely went over it. But it's so insane to think of like the Los Angeles County School District, like lobbing the idea of narcissism at eighth graders, like a fairly (laughs) complex psychological topic. Um, Maybe, you know, on one hand, you could say like L.A. is a very therapy based city. Everyone knows that we love our feelings here and getting in touch with them in California. But it's like just odd that that this eighth grader is like, I think I witnessed narcissism for the first time. And then she (laughs) double talks in this speech by saying that she doesn't even think she takes she she thinks that Jackie's so narcissistic that she might not even love her daughter but she thinks she does really love Ashley. And it's like, we have to like, you can break those up with, you can break up those thoughts, right? Like have Gary say something and then have Brittany, like Gary be like, wow, that's awful. And like really be against Ashley and Jackie and like sort of villainize them. And then have Brittany be like, no, but I do think she really loves her. Like, it's just like, she's carrying herself through a, train of thought that's a little like yeah wild Mm -hmm. that's exactly what's happening um I (laughs) I don't know it's just so um god the the whole car ride it's it's kind of meant to um show us that Brittany I guess is appreciative of the bonds her family has. Yeah, or at least aware of it, you know? Right. Um, But I don't feel like it really goes anywhere. Well, she's definitely still, like, in a place of trying to understand that her family is, like, close in a way that money can't buy. I think that that's a little bit of what they're trying to instill in her, in this, especially in this upcoming scene. But... It's um that conversation just didn't make any sense. And I feel like from a 15 year old's like point of view, the attitude would be less diagnostic about like whether or not Jackie's a narcissist and more be like, I don't know, something about the dynamic just doesn't sit well with me. Like her mom's really weird. Like that's probably how I would have worded that at 15. Like yeah, there's something totally. uncomfortable with that family. Like the mom just thinks really highly of herself. Like I probably would have said something like that at 15. I don't think I would have been like, so last year in school, I learned about narcissism <laughs> and <laughs> like, what does Gary even say to that? Right. So Gary tells her that when he gets, when they get home, he wants her to do something for him. So Caroline's watching TV when they get back and she tells them that dinner is waiting for them in the kitchen And Brittany sits down with her on the couch and asks her if they can talk. And Caroline's giving her a little bit of the cold shoulder, which is like, grow the fuck up. Like, you're not allowed to, like, briefly give your teenage daughter the silent treatment. I'm sorry. You're just not. Um, And, you know, she says, like, you know, I'm sorry for making you drop me off at the mall, you know, behind the mall away from everyone. And her mom tells her that she appreciates the apology and she tells her that, you know, it hurt her a lot because she and Gary do everything for her and her sister and trying to provide them with a good life. And Brittany's like, yeah, I understand that. Caroline says, well, I don't think you do. I mean, why wouldn't you let me meet your friends? Are you ashamed of me? And Brittany says she's not. Um, 
then Caroline goes on to say that she doesn't know how Ashley's family got their money. I mean, if they inherited it, if they earned it themselves, if they even have money or they're just living on credit, which I thought was a great point because that's like such a common thing in L.A. is so many people are driving around like leased vehicles in in crazy in debt and you just don't even think of it like Mm -hmm. you see all these wealthy people and you don't even think for a second like do they just have really good credit (laughs) you grew up in like a bougie area though um okay so well palm beach is like the bougie area and then west palm beach is kind of like a normal town although there's like you know, other areas are, are like more affluent, but you know, I, I grew up, my mom cleaned houses. So like she would clean the houses of like all these nice, beautiful neighborhoods. And like, I love driving through them. Uh, so like you and I definitely have that in common. Like both of our moms were cleaning ladies. We both grew up in wealthier areas. Um, with like our moms, like serving the wealthier community. And, you know, I, I mean, I will say that that's like one thing that's sort of like frustrating about this movie for me, because it's like interesting to see her be like such a brat and not like, there wasn't a greater conversation around this. Like, it wasn't like when she was applying to private high schools, her mom said to her, like, you know, we really want to get you into a good high school so that you have even more opportunities than we did. I mean, I feel like to an extent, like how hard my mom worked for me to be able to go to a good school and how, you know, hard my mom worked in general was just something I was very aware of. And it feels odd to me that it's like she's just finding out now that her parents are hardworking people. Right. Especially when it seems like they do have a tight family dynamic. I think her meeting these new friends has kind of just, I don't know, deluded her. Do you ever like wake up and you feel like you're living in like a slightly different world? Yes. Okay. The last like two days have been like really weird for me. Like I feel like something is different about the universe, but I don't know what it is. And I'm wondering if Caroline like just simply like or Brittany just like sim- simply like bumped her head and like the world had a small <laughs> shift because it's like, what do you like? What do you mean? Like, you don't know that you're middle class. Like you see your I dad know. go to work every day in a jumpsuit. And like you all of a sudden think that you're on the same level as Jackie and her dad that lives in like Santa Barbara. Like it's it's you're just not from the same world as Ashley. Like, I don't know if it was, did the, maybe the call box that you had to call to like get up to her house. Did that not tell you like, like where's the disconnect for you little girl? But you know, she says basically, um, you know, Caroline says that she came, they didn't come from very much her and her father and that they worked really hard to build what they have. And, while her friends have money, it's not their money. It's their parents' money. And just because they can buy a purse doesn't mean that they're better than her or smarter or more interesting. And she warns her that the Beverly Hills scene isn't real. It's a facade. And what should be the most important to her is her home and her family. And Brittany asks her if she's trying to say that she shouldn't have a life outside of the house because it sounds to her like that's what her mom is saying. And she's implying, you know, 
you know, or you're saying that I should just get rid of my friends and be home all the time. And her mom's like, that's not at all what I'm saying. And at this point, I just wrote in my notes, this conversation is for lack of better words, like emotionally dyslexic, like the (laughs) hoops that the two of them are jumping through together are just absurd. Like, you're Brittany, you're sitting down to apologize to your mom for being a cunt at the mall earlier. Okay. Now, all of a sudden, you have turned this into, oh, so you just want me to stay at home and not have a life. And it's like, ma'am, no one said that. Like, the dots no are one not it, connecting at all. I, and I hate it because to me, it's like just such lazy writing. Like, it's the writer needed to accomplish like X, Y, and Z in this scene in order to have you know, to hit all of the bases. Right. But instead of just, it's, it looks like they, they, he got a note from the network, like, oh, you should include here that Brittany feels like she's being socially isolated. So that later on when she skips family movie night to go to a party, it's because she thinks that her parents don't want her to have a social life. And so he just slipped in that line without, readjusting the rest of that conversation to make sense. I feel like this is like a, this is like a one hour rewrite is just sort of like reordering the way that this conversation goes, because I understand the point of having it be like two steps forward, one step back. Like I understand the point of that, that, you know, you gotta, you gotta create like friction in order to believe that this story is going to go where it's going. But the pacing of this is so off. And I really wish that we could have started at the house in Lake Balboa and established this family dynamic before we went straight to the party. Like basing this in Beverly Hills was the wrong move to me. Yeah, I agree a lot. And people who listen to this podcast regularly know (laughs) that I oddly like I'm on the side of every person involved in these movies I will argue a case for almost (laughs) anyone because I really do enjoy these movies this one is just so frustrating to me um and it feels like to me this is where this movie could have really used like a woman's touch if I'm being honest I was thinking the same thing the entire time I mean at least we have some representation with Miss Emma by the way (laughs) Speaking of young queer people, I feel like this episode will be released just in time for this to not be super old news. But one of our faves just came out, Miss Jojo Siwa. Are you so happy? What a win for us. I'm so happy. I it's honestly like amazing. Like, did you see that video that was like going viral of like a little girl? Like, I don't know, supporting Jojo or something. She was like, so sweet I don't (laughs) don't even know what it was I'm blanking but it was like this cute little girl she was like I know what it means to come out and I'm just happy she's so free (laughs) (laughs) that's cute yeah that's cute I feel like I mean let's like talk about sort of how major that is like I can't think of a like there was no Jojo for my generation there was no like real life person that was a peer that was marketed towards younger kids. Like, I don't remember growing up with a Jojo type figure period. And she's like at such a peak in her career right now. And really like, you know, I think like even someone like Ellen was already really popular before she came out, especially like Rosie O'Donnell, really, really popular before she came out. 
um, in families' homes every day on her show. And it was like, you know, considered a, a massive deal. Like when someone came out back then, like I can't imagine how different um, like the world will be for younger kids knowing that someone's so successful that they all know is like an openly queer person. I don't think JoJo has labeled herself yet. Yeah. I, you know, I sometimes, you know, like living in New York city or whatever, like, you know, we kind of like live in this bubble and I kind of forget like how awful the rest of the world can be sometimes. Like, I mean, this country um, in terms of like homophobia and stuff, like I, let me just quickly drag one of my cousins that I saw on Twitter tweeting like, some homophobic shit about Jojo and I was like what the actual fuck um you know I'm so proud of her because she does like for I don't know I I can just imagine like a lot of you know homophobic parents out there and you know it sucks but it's amazing that she was but she did it like despite all that. Yeah. I mean, it's definitely something that like people can approach with their kids the way that they want. Like, I'm sure there's a lot of kids who enjoy Jojo that will not know about her coming out because to be involved in the Jojo world, you could be as low stakes as having bought a bow at Claire's to (laughs) knowing of her from Nickelodeon to, being someone who's on YouTube, like interacting with her personality like that. I don't know that, you know, there's probably a lot of kids who will be unmoved or even ignorant to this information, but truly like when you think about it, she's so pervasive in like the world of kids shit. Like, you know, she's on everything. She's on bedspreads. She has food products. She has toys. She has so much stuff. And, you know, like there, there is a real like possibility that people, you know, maybe even people that don't think they're homophobic or they consider themselves to be an ally or something like people can still have weirdness around their kids being around it. Right. Mm -hmm. Like it's almost like an after dark thing. Right. Where it's like, oh, yeah, like I'll go to like a club and I'll be fine with the gay guys that are there. But like, I don't want my child to like ride a Jojo tricycle. Like, I don't want people to think like, I'm perverting my child or something. Yeah. And I, yeah. I think that like, that's, you know, that was an interesting risk for her to take because I feel like there's other people that come to mind when you think of celebrities that are, you know, possibly closeted and they have so much less to lose than mm-hmm. someone like Jojo. Yeah. I'm super proud of her. It was a good, good week for us. Yeah. And by us, I, I mean, like as an ally, like I'm not, I don't want everyone to know that, like, I'm not claiming to be a, like, I don't, you know, I don't want to take unnecessary credit. Like you were a gay child. I unfortunately, unfortunately, I don't know that experience, but um, no, it's like, it's, it's, uh, it's kind of massive and it's um, unprecedented. I can't think of any child like you know, or even 18 year olds that has come out. That's been like a massive deal ever in my life. Like it's sort of historical what she did, but 
back to this movie and our our girl Emma. <laughs> so she tells Brittany that she doesn't have to compete with them. And Brittany says that she has no idea how hard it is with these girls. And Caroline tells her that she has to be strong. Now, this is where if I was a mom, I'd be like, then I don't want you going to school with them. Then like maybe this school isn't the right fit for you. Cause like right. you're not even you school hasn't even started yet. And you're already lecturing me on how I don't know how hard it is. Yeah, that's a good point. It's there's (laughs) I can't even believe we're like this conversation this was a long conversation it just kept going on and on honestly this is like I am not an advocate for like physical violence in families but I kept thinking during this scene like this is something that a good slap across the face would clear up instantly like my mom slapped me across the face once when I was like 15 and I was mouthing off to her because I didn't want to get off the computer and like it fucking put me in line like I was like oh shit's real like yeah I can't pull shit like that and I feel like a well-placed smack across the face would do wonders for her right now nothing nothing prolonged never to happen again but a one and done not a punch not a closed hand nothing like that but just a little like smack across the face to like awaken you up you know um but anyway so this goes on and on and on and then she runs upstairs and uh you know to bed and caroline calls after her to brush her teeth which like to me i was like see if you had just slapped her like it wouldn't have had the insanity of like you guys having this long back and forth about how she's so grown and then like you yelling (laughs) after her like remember to brush your teeth like There will never be a day where, like, I sit through a conversation like that and then patiently remind that person to, like, go wipe their ass. Like, it's just not going to (laughs) happen. So Gary comes out um, from the kitchen once Brittany is upstairs and Caroline says that she was probably way too harsh. And Gary tells her that we're just figuring this stuff out. It's not going to happen overnight. Um, so in the morning, Caroline and Gary are getting breakfast ready when Brittany finally wakes up and she's being kind of cool with them. She's still got a little bit of an attitude and Caroline offers her dozens of breakfast options. (laughs) Like She's like, what do you want? Like French toast? Do you want eggs? Do you want waffles? Do you want hash browns? And Brittany goes, I'll just take a cup of coffee. And First of all, that is such like a movie thing, like where this family is like, go, go, go all the time. But then when it's breakfast time, she's like, what five course meal can I make for you? So Brittany says, you know, I'm an adult. I can drink coffee. It's what all the girls at school drink. They do it so they can stay with their homework, which is I thought that was such a strange wording. Yeah. Stay with. I I thought so, too. I mean, I. It's so funny that, you know, after after the argument, after being told to go brush her teeth and then she like holds like the ultimate teenage I'm an adult move by asking for coffee. <laughs> it's like for homework. It's just yeah. all so weird. And like Emma's like, oh, you drink coffee now? Like Emma does have sort of like a deep voice for a little girl. She does. She's like, oh, you like coffee? <laughs> <laughs> that's not at all what she sounds like but she sounds like she has sort of like a 
like a deep voice for a little girl. It's like a little jarring. She does. And she's kind of just always popping up like in back of <laughs> every scene with like some random comment. They don't service Emma with like good shots at all. Like whenever the camera's on her, it feels like a like a bit. Like <laughs> Yeah, exactly. And she's at like that weird age where like she's like probably like 11 or something. So it's not like she's like the corny little kid. She's like sort of, you know, just a few years younger than Britney, but she's also not like a comedic actress where like she's playing a sort of obnoxious younger sister. She's just like, (laughs) it's just an awkward stage in your life. And I will say if the movie captures one thing, it's like how uncomfortable it is to be about 11 years old. So Caroline gives Brittany her cup of coffee and she's like, you can, I just made it. You can have it. Just be careful. Cause it stains your teeth again. That was so weird. Like that, that just seemed like such an odd comment too. Yeah. It's almost like Brittany's mom is more careful with coffee than Jackie is with alcohol. <laughs> yeah. Like I, I do wonder if there was supposed to be some like subtle mirroring there. But um, Brittany asks if she can go to a party at Ashley's house that night. They won't even have to pick her up because Ashley's mom said she can stay the night. And her mom asks if these people ever stop partying. And Brittany's like, no, not really. And Gary asks her what the party is for. And she says it's for school. And Caroline tells her that she doesn't start school for a month. But Brittany says there's no harm in starting early. So they're like going back and forth about this party thing. And Gary tells her that they partied enough. Tonight they should have a movie night. And Caroline and Emma act like he just like brought out front row tickets to Bruce Springsteen. Like the two of them are so fucking excited about a movie night, which I guess is supposed to be like a contrast to like sort of how jaded Ashley is about everything. But it's um, it's weird. It is weird. It's very weird. So Brittany asks if they're seriously not going to let her party with her new friends. And her mom says no, because she's going to be partying at home with her old family. <laughs> this sort of like Ashley, she starts like, I mean, um, Brittany's like, Ashley's going to think I'm a homebody. Yeah. <laughs> like, that's such a weird thing too. like, I mean, she has spent like every day with her. Get me, like you need some space girl. Also like, I don't know that like teenagers worry about coming across as homebodies. Yeah. I, I feel like Ashley's going to think I'm a little bitch. Like that's probably what I would have. That's probably the <laughs> angle I would have come from is like, I don't want her to think I'm a loser. Like whose mom tells her what to do. But Not, homebody. Like, yeah. Like, and also in 2021, it's just so like absurd to hear anyone refer to like themselves as a homebody is a negative thing because Especially in the like my 30s, I've just really appreciated my ability to stay. I've always been someone who likes to stay at home. Even in college, like I was just randomly, like I would just randomly choose to exclude myself from activities on a Saturday night just because I wanted to like be by myself. And yeah, it's like strange to uh it's strange to hear someone like complain about being home. I don't know. I don't know how else to put it, but, um, 
Brittany runs up to her room and she gets on a FaceTime with Ashley and Ashley says that, you know, party's still on for the night, even though my mom and I got into a fight and Brittany's like, I'm going through the same thing. And then when Caroline knocks on her door, she hangs up with Ashley and Caroline basically calls through the door that today is her first day off in a really long time. And she would love to spend the day with Brittany. She's just going to stay in her room all day. And Brittany doesn't even bother to answer her. So that's kind of sad. Yeah. I mean, if I was Brittany and I wanted to like leverage an opportunity for myself, I'd be like, yeah, do you want to go shopping? And like, I would try and get my mom to buy me some of the stuff I couldn't have afforded at the mall the other day. Yeah. It's just, it's pretty bitchy of Brittany to just stay in her room for the rest of the day over something like not going to her third party in a row. I mean, I'm going to make enemies for this. I really am. Because I want to stress to you enough that I don't think physical violence is okay. (laughs) But literally one slap across the face would change Britney's entire world. Like, just let her just slap her once. Like, it's fine. Like, it's honestly like she's probably taken harder hits from Emma. Like, literally just give her one swift slap across the face to remind her who's in charge. Mark her like a dog and just let her know, like, you're a fucking child. I pay for your life. I'm not going to take this attitude from you. It's my day off. Do you want to get Chinese food or what? <laughs> yeah, very effective. I can. Re- I remember the times that I was slapped. And like you said, well, actually, I still had an attitude after that. But <laughs> it's still, yeah, I, I will shook. say my mom really played her cards right with that. Because like, if it was something that happened more than once, it probably wouldn't have ever had the sort of depth and meaning that it truly had. But because I was generally a good kid, and I really didn't see anything wrong with me being on the computer, like I was truly unclear on who it hurt that I was like trying to download something from LimeWire. Like, (laughs) I I was like, what the fuck, mom? Like, I don't want to go upstairs, blah, blah, blah. And she just like fucking, she just slapped me across the face. And it like, it woke me up like in a really weird way. Like it was like, I don't even think I said anything. I think I just like went up to my room and it like. Me too. (laughs) And I think my mom was just as surprised as I was, if I'm being honest. Like, I feel like if if at any point Caroline had just had that impulse and, and gave into it, this would have saved the whole movie. Yeah. <laughs> she could have saved lives doing that. Uh. So that night, the family is getting ready for their movie night. And this scene is really weird because Caroline is acting like progressively drunk while they're watching this movie. But like, we know they're eating popcorn because there's this like intrusively large bowl of popcorn in the mix. But like Caroline is like a little wacky in this scene. And like, I don't know if this is like trying to like let us in on how silly they are together, like their dynamic or if Caroline's like low key drinking wine or what's going on. But it's uh, it's weird. Let's play this this scene twenty nine oh three to thirty fifteen. Oh, oh yeah, oh, that smells so good. I Come knew on. you were gonna. No, you have to wait. All right, get the corner. Ah, ah. Here. Okay, move Come over. Come on, get in here. Okay. Maybe you should go ask your sister what she wants to watch. Okay. Hurry. Okay. Thank you. Thank you. Take your time. 
They're sneaky. into my room. Okay, so what movie do you want to watch? Scary adventure, sci-fi, or romantic? I'm not watching any movies, sorry. I'm staying right here and figuring out my wardrobe for the upcoming school year. Okay, whatever. Just go! Us. <clears throat> That's fine. Okay. She needs some time to herself. That means yeah. you get to pick the movie. <gasps> really? Mm-hmm. Yes. Okay. This episode is sponsored by Book of the Month. I've been subscribed to Book of the Month for three months now, and I'm obsessed. If you're a big reader or maybe even a lapsed big reader who's been wanting to get back into it regularly, consider checking it out. Book of the Month, they read like hundreds of books every month from new and emerging authors, and they whittled on the list to just the very best. They provide you a diverse little selection of hardcover fiction to pick from, which is an element of it that I really love. I can find going into the bookstore to be super overwhelming. And when I know I have about a dozen really solid options to choose from, it makes the decision way easier. Plus, it's cheaper than other options. Shipping is always free. And there's a loyalty program with rewards and even lower prices if you choose to stick around. There's an app where you can pick your upcoming books and track the progress of your reading, and there are challenges on there with rewards. Your book arrives in a super aesthetically pleasing box, by the way. That's the kind of touch that I always really appreciate. Personally, I read at my own pace. Sometimes I can only get to one of my two books a month, and I keep the ones I haven't read yet on my windowsill right next to my bed so I can just see them all there. It inspires me to pick one up and read. It's nice to have options in front of you. If you're interested in trying it out, you can get your first book for $5 with code pastel at bookofthemonth.com. That's code pastel at bookofthemonth.com. You can shop from anywhere doing pretty much anything. You might shop while working, eating, or even listening to this podcast. And however you shop, we all know and love the thrill of the hunt. But do you also know how to get the thrill of the best deals? Because Rakuten shoppers do. With Rakuten, they get the deals they love with the most savings and cash back. And you can get it too. Start getting cash back at your favorite stores like Sephora, Nike, and even Expedia if you're looking to get some travel in. And getting cash back doesn't mean you have to miss out on sales because those can just be stacked right on top. It's easy to use and based on a simple idea. Stores pay Rakuten for sending them shoppers, and Rakuten shares the money with you as cash back through PayPal or check. Download the free Rakuten app and never miss a deal. Or go to Rakuten.com to start getting the most bang for your buck. That's R-A-K-U-T-E-N. All right. So, well, one thing is that I, I'm realizing watching that, that I really desperately need like a large wooden bowl. <laughs> that I'm sounds like that, something I need. <laughs> I'm glad that um, 
everyone could hear gay icon little emma's voice (laughs) romantic (laughs) (laughs) yeah they gave her a little bit of a comedy moment there the actors you know the director said have some fun with that um yeah it's um it's interesting because i feel like we're supposed to be getting more from the fi- the family dynamic there because the three of them are just acting so uncharacteristically goofy together. Um, and then there's that like weird moment where Emma runs upstairs and Brittany's just like on a different path in life. Like in that scene, she looks like she is just like, doesn't even know who she is anymore. If I'm being honest with you. Yeah. Because didn't it it seem like she surprised herself with how bitchy she was to her sister? I think so. She's definitely, like, progressively... I don't don't know what her deal is. I really don't. So she's, like, you know, getting ready for her school a month early (laughs) in her room. And she's wearing this, like, knockoff Marcus Lupfer t-shirt. It's, like, a sequined mouth biting the lower lip on her t-shirt. And she's wearing, like, a black mini skirt and tights. And, you know, I mean, I don't know what school she's wearing that to to begin with, if I'm being real with you. Like, I feel like any any of the schools that I imagine they're going to in L.A. are probably uniform schools to begin with. But right. So she's, you know, trying to negotiate when she can sneak out of the house. So she puts pillows under her bedspread and carefully opens up her bedroom window and climbs out of it and closes the door behind her just enough so that it doesn't look disturbed. And she sneaks down the street to an Uber and the Uber guy is like, Beverly Hills, huh? And she's like, yep, going over the hill, which is like literally such perfect Uber banter. Like, I can tell you one thing. I'm not sure whether or not Michael Pfeiffer has ever spoken to a woman or a teenage girl, but I can tell you he has spoken to an Uber driver because that's classic. Like, yep. Going over the hill. Like that's so fucking exactly what you say when you're like getting into an Uber in LA and you don't want, you're going to be in there for like 30 minutes and you don't want to talk to the guy, but like you have to acknowledge what he just said. And You know what? I'm going to be honest with you. It's fucking weird to me that teenagers are allowed to get into Ubers. Like, I feel like it should be on their account, right? Like something like a parent should sign like a legal waiver and then that should be in their account. But it's so weird to me to think of like a 15 year old girl getting into a car with a strange man. Yeah, I would like in that moment, I was thinking, I mean, this must be like tied to her parents account. And like, how would they not notice this, especially like seeming. Like, they seem kind of strict, you know? Yeah. It was weird to me that she could just, like, get an Uber and go. Especially if she's going over the hill, you know? (laughs) (laughs) She texts Ashley that she's going to be there in 30 minutes, which I also was like, yeah, Michael's definitely been in an Uber in L.A. Because it totally takes 30 minutes to get from from Lake Balboa to Beverly Hills easily, even in nighttime traffic. So um, Jackie's wasted when she gets to the party later like the the house is bumping by the way like they did a good job with the nighttime party scene at this house I I feel like that's where they put a lot of time and energy and she has these two like Jackie's coming down from upstairs with teenage boys on either side of her and I'm like 
they definitely referenced that like there was drugs at the party. So I'm assuming like Jackie was upstairs doing coke with these teenage boys. Yeah, definitely a vibe I got. And Jackie has on cat ears, like a little Ariana Grande throwback moment, which is just so tragic. I was going to mention that. Oh, my God. She came down in the cat ears, like two teenage boys. (laughs) The whole thing is so messy. And in this scene, it's not like she has her girls, Rita and Donna, with her. Like, Jackie is truly, like, if you want to be, like, the adult that's permissive, like, don't be down on the ground floor. Like, be in your room getting shit-faced by yourself watching movies. <laughs> but, like, it's just strange. Like, these are, like, she doesn't have anything in common with these people. She truly is, like, a drug buddy when it's, like, you guys would never be here if you didn't have this thing in common. Right. And like, I think I think Ashley, like, said before, like, that her mom's, like, taking her friends. It's so weird. Like, why do you want to be friends with teenagers? Like, drinking it with teenagers. Really It is really weird. Did you have anyone that like, I think that you were like a good kid in high school, but did you ever go to like a house party where there was like a parent that was oddly permissive? No, I I didn't go to any parties in high school. Like the one time I snuck out of the house was to go see Black Swan. So (laughs) that's it. (laughs) Oh my God. That is so you. Like you're going to go see an artsy movie by yourself. (laughs) Yeah, there was definitely like um, a girl in my hometown and I wasn't like a part of their circle. I would like wouldn't have been. But there was definitely like a mom in our hometown that you knew like kids were getting fucked up at her house on the weekend. And I remember even back in high school being like, that's weird. Like, what do you mean? Like her parents are just like around and everyone's getting drunk. And it was like, yeah, that's the vibe. So um, which, like, even as a teenager, I knew that that was, like, wrong and that I, if I, if I were ever to be there, I wouldn't want to be. Like, I don't think that people really drank, drank, like, openly in my high school till I think, prom. Like, I think by prom, everyone was, like, senior prom. Everyone was, like, fuck it. We're out of here in a week, you know? But, um, <laughs> now, in my school, I think there was, like, three drunk driving accidents it was like pretty wild and they crashed like near the school too yeah really yeah there was like a few deaths in my school it was weird okay so they were like were they your class yeah it was this girl that like I knew we weren't friends but we had classes together tell me what happened well she was with two guys and all three of them <clears throat> died and the other two guys were from our school too. I think they were like a grade above me. Um, and they were, they were all drunk and coming from, I don't know where they were coming from. Honestly, I, I wasn't like friends with any of them. Um, I just know they crashed like a block from the school on a weekend. Was like your school a party school? Um, yeah, I mean, it was like a, it was a public school, um, and it wasn't like the best school. (laughs) Uh, like I think one kid died, he was stabbed. Um, there was like a few, yeah, another kid died of cancer. There was like quite a lot of death. Um, but that was kind of the worst. These three kids dying together in a car accident. That's awful. 
Yeah. Yeah. There was a, a car accident when I was at school too, but it was like weather related. Um, but like Florida's kind of like on a different level anyway, right? Yeah. I, I mean, honestly, I was just like such a loner, but I'm sure there was like lots of parties I'm not privy to. Um, I feel like people definitely were drinking and like smoking weed and stuff. Who was your best friend in high school? Um, I had a really nice little group. It was me, my friend Lydia and Angie. And like all of us turned out to be gay later in life. So, uh, but in high school, none of us were out. Um, it was just like a cute little nerdy group. I don't know. I spent most of, of lunchtime like alone in the cafeteria though. Yeah. Oh my God. And I was it's absent like- a lot. When you had like three friends and like they didn't have the same lunch block as yeah, you, exactly. that was like the worst. That like that was the me. fucking worst. Like when no one else you knew had that lunch block, it was like hell. Yeah. And I could not do small talk with like acquaintances. So I would just like go into the library. I think I forgot about you just like uncovered a memory for me. Like I forgot about like A, B and C lunch blocks and like you would have like 20 minutes to eat, which is like crazy because <laughs> it felt like so long because your brain is like brand new still like your brain is pristine. <laughs> and so like each minute is meaningful to you. And like we would just like sit in. We didn't have a proper lunch room for a lot of school because like our school was under construction for a lot of the time we were there. So like the teachers would kind of look the other way when we would eat in like areas where lockers were, but no, I mean, yeah, you were fucked if no one had your lunch block. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I also like was homeschooled for a little bit. I was went to like two different high schools and homeschool. You were homeschooled, babe? Only for like a few months, but I wasn't actually being homeschooled. My parents weren't teaching me anything. So I was like, I think I need to go back to school. What happened? What, how did you wind up getting homeschooled? Did you like leave school? Yeah, I just kind of asked my parents, you know, I was, for whatever reason, I just hated high school like every other teenager. Um, and I was like, can I please just like do homeschool? So we like signed me up for it. But then both of my parents were working. No one was like ever teaching me. And I was just like home on the computer all day, um, not learning. So they had to send me back. It's so crazy that that's like the high school experience now. Like everyone is having to figure out what it's like to go to school on Zoom. I can't even imagine. I feel like from what I understand from like kids I see on TikTok that it's like a very frustrating experience. And I also follow a lot of teachers on TikTok and I see they're so frustrated and then the students are so frustrated. It just feels like a clusterfuck. I mean, ideally in my head, I feel like I would have loved to go to school on Zoom, but I get why like most people, I feel bad for like seniors and all those kids and stuff who actually have lives that I didn't have. Yeah, I was like never a great student, but I loved Like, I think I loved the structure of school. Like, I would wake my mom up to take me to school in the morning. Like, I'd be like, I have to go to school now. Like, I I just like, (laughs) I think I really liked the the structure of going to school. And I don't, and as much as I would like to think that I would have like killed it on Zoom school, I think I would have had a hard time paying attention. The, The whole thing about waking up your mom 
for school and loving the structure was like the most Capricorn thing you ever said. I think. <laughs> well, it like took me a really long time to realize like why I why I didn't like school, but I didn't mind going to school. Like it it like took me a while to figure that out. And then like my mom, she worked nights a lot of times she was like a waitress so she would like come home from like a catering gig or from waiting tables or something and I would get ready for school and then like kind of wake her up and be like hey I have to go to school now and she would stop and get me Dunkin Donuts on the way Mm -hmm. I don't I don't remember when I started drinking coffee like Brittany and I don't (laughs) think it was to help me with homework but it became a part of my life coffee just finds you you know what I mean (laughs) to this day when I get coffee like my parents make a big deal about it. Like if it's such an adult thing, it's so weird how that's a thing. You're not like a big coffee drinker, are you? No, I'm not. But like I had coffee today and anytime I drink coffee, they just think it's like weird. Yeah. Well, I think you deserve it. Thank you. Um, I'm still drinking it. So Brittany um, is with, the, with uh, outside with a girl named Sasha and Ashley comes up to them and she tells them that the two guys that saved the boy that was drowning in the pool at the other party are there now. And she's like excited. Like Ashley's like excited to link them all up at first. And she's like, they're on their way over here. Stay cool. And then like the way that this is directed is so weird. Cause like the two guys are like behind her while she's Immediately, saying that. Yeah. <laughs> And I'm like, well, whatever cool thing you guys were going to do, like it's blown now, but they all move forward with it. And the guys are, you know, they introduce themselves and Brittany says, you know, hi to this one guy. And he's like, oh, you took off really quickly the other day. And she's like, yeah, but I'm staying tonight. So, you know, we'll get to hang out. No rush. And he he whispers to her, I find you very attractive oh, now, God. like. The planner in me is freaking out, right? Because I'm like, what do you mean you're staying the night? Like, do you really think those two pillows you shoved in your bed are really going to, like, get you out of this tonight? Like, there's no way. Like, movies are 90 minutes. Like, as soon as your parents finish that movie, you have to bet that one of them is going to check up, like, check in on you. Like, you you have to know that there's no way <laughs> that anyone fucking believes you're asleep at, like, 9.15 p.m. I mean, <laughs> Emma's still up. Right. Yeah. And Brittany is like at this party, not even worried about it, prepared to spend the night. And I'm like, girl, how are you getting back into the house tomorrow? How are you washing the liquor off you? How are you taking your makeup off? Like, are you going to Uber back over the hill? Like I, I, it's a logistical nightmare. Like I could have never faked that. I never understood kids who could fake that. I would have been a wreck. Like the lie, like the lies I would bury under the pressure of them. More Capricorn-y things you're saying. But yeah, you're not I could a, never you're do not a good liar. You're not yeah, a good liar no, either. I'm, I'm not. I, I never, like, my sister was constantly sneaking out to meet her boyfriend. But um, that just stressed me out. I, I didn't even want to be involved in any of the lies. Yeah, you um, you are, like, all of my friends. I'm realizing as I'm saying this, none of my friends are good liars. Like, I don't think I could be a friend to a good liar because I just... It'd be a just, little scary. Yes, it's, it's terrifying to me that she thinks she can pull this off. Like, I don't know. So 
Brittany asks him how old he is, this guy, Travis, she's talking to, and he asks her why it matters. And she says that she's only 15 and he seems a lot older than her, like statutory rape older than her. And I was like, whoa, we're saying statutory rape now. Like we're in a different movie all of a sudden. Like <laughs> Brittany knows about statutory rape because like earlier I would have not thought that she would have had the vocab. I know this is like right on the line with her bringing up narcissism. It was just like, so like, what was coming from? It's like, now I know how you got into that good school, but like, (laughs) what, like, where is that logic being applied any other place? You know? (laughs) Yeah. That, that, oh, that whole line, the whole convo with that guy was so gross. Because he's like, oh, well, you know, it really all depends, like, more about how you feel about my age. And she's like, well, it's really more about what the court feels. And he cuts her (laughs) off and he goes, listen, I don't care about how the court feels. And he kisses her and, like, they start to make out, right? So Ashley and Jackie catch up outside and Ashley asks Aram if they should stop Brittany and this dude from making out. And Jackie goes, no, it just looks like love. And Ashley tells her that that's definitely not what love looks like. And her mom's like, well, how do you know that? And she goes, because I've seen you fail at it a bunch of times. And it looks a lot like that. And which to which I say, Ashley, you fucking go, girl. Like, Ashley is a parentified adult. Like, she's the one who's stepping in and being like, mom, I don't know. Do you think it's appropriate that that 25 year old man is making out with my 15 year old friend? (laughs) I know. <laughs> like, I can't believe that Ashley was the only person in that room with like an ounce of like common sense. I mean, I don't know. It was if- really creepy having Jackie watch that happen. Right. Like, it's not like, I, like as I, a woman, you know, like, yes, I just don't. I don't know. Well, it's not like Jackie is like supposed to have great boundaries. Like this movie sort of relies on Jackie having no boundaries as the party <laughs> mom, but it's weird. It's like weird even for Jackie. And it, it, I, it, you know, possibly it would be strange if she like drew a line and was like, I draw the line at 25 year olds making out with 15 year olds, but, but I'll drink with you guys. But it's like, it's, it's weird because it does seem like that crosses like an additional line. Like it's one thing if Jackie just likes to get fucked up. It's another thing if she's turning her eye at, you know, statutory rape. Right. But um, back at Brittany's house, her family is just finishing up their movie. And um, Caroline seems really drunk to me. I'm going to play this scene. She's going to send Emma upstairs to check on her sister let's play this scene tell me if you think she sounds drunk too 3503 to 3615 yay that was a fun one why didn't we see that in the theaters you told mom it was too much money to go to the movies yeah so mean right (sighs) you know it's been kind of quiet upstairs do you think we should check on her i'm sure she's been on her phone and her computer the whole time oh Emma, will you go check on your sister for us? Of course, Mom. Thank you. What did you do? I didn't do it. <laughs> I didn't do it. I, You're going to clean it up.
it. She's sleeping. Oh. I'm sure she's exhausted from using her thumbs on social media all night. <laughs> mm. I don't know how you girls deal with all the peer pressure today. It's going to be painful. You're telling me. <laughs> no social media for you. Okay, let's, let's get up. Let's go. I got you. Oh. All right. This scene is so fucking weird, dude. Okay, first of all, she's like, why didn't we see that in the theater? And Emma says, it, you said it would be too expensive to go see in the theater. And then Caroline looks up at Gary and goes, it don't mean... And then trails off, which is like, it don't mean what? Like, why are you saying it? Like, what happened to your ability to use grammar? Like, what do you mean? It don't it don't mean what? <laughs> like, it's so weird. And then the other thing is that Gary's crotch is like completely covered with popcorn when Emma runs upstairs. And right, like, I remember that standing out to me. And like I can I guess I can understand like how maybe a couple pieces would get lost in translation, you know, between they're all passing back and forth this bowl. But literally, why does he have like 15 pieces of popcorn on his crotch? Like it's insane. And <laughs> they come down and the popcorn is off his crotch. And I'm like, what happened? Like when your daughter was upstairs checking on your other daughter, were you down here eating the popcorn off his crotch like what the fuck happened what and why do they sound like they sound like they've just been like banging it out like there's so much like moaning and like weird yeah you know mouth just noises <laughs> like hearing the scene just with the audio it was very weird yeah tons it's, of it's moaning weird weird <laughs> and her voice did sound a little drunk you know hearing just the voice of her yeah, I, I don't know if that crossed my mind when I first watched it, but I definitely thought the scene was weird. But I, I could definitely see her drinking maybe some wine. It seemed like the popcorn was like covered in weed butter or something based off of the way that they were acting compared to how we see them in the rest of the movie, which makes right. me think like, again, this is a case for the movie taking place more starting out in Lake Balboa and seeing like how quaint and sort of goofy and intimate this family is when they're together versus, you know, the stark contrast of whatever's going on at Jackie's house. It's just like weird storytelling to me. And it's like almost a shame that this like quaint moment where Emma and her parents are watching this movie like that you would think that they're all like drunk or high or something to be acting the way that they are. Yeah. Cause that just, it, to me, that just tells me that, that the rest of the behavior in the movie is really weird. If that like calm moment looks so strange, it, it has to just be informed by how stiff they are throughout the rest of the movie. So, um, Sasha and Brittany are talking to the guys who saved Tommy from the pool still. And Ashley comes over to talk to Brittany really quick. And she tells her she wants to, her to meet some girls from school, which is like what you would think Brittany is there for, right? To like meet other girls from school. But she tells Ashley that she thinks she's going to go to a party with Travis and Dylan and Sasha. She says that Ashley's party is totally lit, but the party they're going to is in Malibu. And she thinks that there's going to be stars there. She tells Ashley to come, but Ashley says she can't leave her own party. So, I mean, if anything tells you that, like, Brittany is, like, massively drunk, is that, first of all, she's 
supposed to potentially be staying at Ashley's house that night. Now she's going to Malibu with two older guys and a girl. Like she's clearly Mm -hmm. like in over her head, but she's going like an additional hour away from home. And you know, she's going to be stuck in an Uber on PCH. If she can even get an Uber out in Malibu to take her home, like that's going to be like a $75 Uber for her to get home from the party in Malibu the next morning. Oh God. Yeah. I, I felt, well, it's good. Also like, I love that tip. Cause you know, I have no idea like LA Uber prices and what the deal is. You can probably but, um, get to from Beverly Hills to Malibu in like 30 minutes. If it's like no traffic at night and you're with someone who knows the way that they're going. Yeah. I, it, it's really sad that they let her leave the house like that. Um, Cause we've seen Brittany like at the parties before, but she's definitely different this time. She's like way wasted. I'm looking up. Okay. So it's interesting. Cause like they take Mulholland drive to, um, to Malibu. It seems like, which is possible. You can do that, but like you have to drive way North of where they are not way North, but in a way that doesn't make sense. Like if they're going to Malibu, they would take the 10 from Beverly Hills probably. And it just doesn't, it doesn't make sense to me why they're up on Mulholland, but Mulholland is the perfect place to have the accident that's coming up. Yeah. So Dylan is driving them in this car and he's zigzagging all over the road and he's, you know, assuring Travis that he actually drives better when he's drunk, which is like classic LA. There's so many people that are like, no, 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 no. Like once I have a couple beers in me, that's when I can really drive. And, um, (laughs) Gary and Caroline are getting ready to head to bed at their house. Um, But Caroline says she just wants to check in on Brittany because she never said goodnight. So she walks into Brittany's room and she reaches over to touch her shoulder. And right away, she realizes it's a pile of pillows. So she calls to Gary. Gary's like, oh, she went out the window. So the two of them spring into action to go find her. And then we cut back to Brittany and Sasha and the boys. And they're still cruising around. And Travis asks Dylan to pull over so that he can take a leak on the side of the road. And Brittany and Sasha have like a very honestly, like it's kind of weird conversation. Oh my God. I know. And well, first of all, it's kind of weird that like Brittany is from the LA area and is acting like such a tourist at night when she like sees the, the view of the city from Mulholland drive. Like, if you're a kid that grew up there, that's just like me growing up in Boston and driving past like a historical landmark. Like it's kind of just like whatever. It's like background noise to you at a certain age. But she and Sasha are having this conversation on the side of the hill where Sasha's like, yeah, I'm going to have sex with Dylan tonight. Like I brought condoms just in case. Like, are you going to have sex with Travis? And Brittany's like, "Uh, I didn't even like think about that. Like I thought maybe second base would be enough. And Sasha's like, listen, I mean, Travis is like just someone just so you know, like only do whatever it is you want. But if you have sex with him, you have to wear a condom because like he's hooked up with a lot of girls. And if I was Brittany, God, I was thinking about this when I was watching this. I was thinking, God, if I'm Brittany, I would feel so dumb realizing that like the town slut 
like dude was hitting on me. Like, I'd be like, I can't believe I thought I was special. Like, what am I doing? Like, it would be like social suicide to sleep with this guy because he's probably slept with like half the school. And I think she kind of got it at that point. Um, But also, like, what is this idea? Like, do teenage girls really walk around with condoms? Is that like a thing I'm not aware of? No, like That's the only normal, time, right? no, the only time I ever bought condoms was like a flavored condom at like Newbury Comics so that my friends and I could like blow them up on the subway <laughs> like in eighth grade. Like literally that was like my that was the only time I ever bought condoms as a young woman. Like, no, absolutely not. I mean, not to say that you shouldn't, but it's just like kind of baller to think about Sasha being like, yeah, I'm going to like pack some magnums up in case I get laid at this party later. <laughs> Like, what the fuck? It's so weird. And like, of course, like, I think like that's, you know, granted, everyone should be sexually responsible. I think it's like kind of great that this child is like thinking about birth control and like how she can prevent STDs or whatever. But it is it's like it is kind of weird to hear two girls have the like, do you have condoms talk? (laughs) And so. The guys come up to them and Brittany asks Travis if they can talk and she says she wants to go back to Ashley's house and Travis asks, like, did something happen? And she's like, no, I just feel like this is going too fast for me. I would really like to get back to Ashley's house. And Travis tells her that it's okay if she's a virgin. He's actually glad if he's the first, and, which is so scummy. Like, it's so disgusting, he's like, to so think gross. of this man. Like, this guy being like, no, actually, like, I kind of, like, prefer if you're a virgin. Oh, God. <laughs> I, like, I do wonder, like, what what Michael Pfeiffer's, like, what's going on in his head. <laughs> do you know what I mean? Yeah, whenever you're, like, a guy in a movie talk like that and it's written by a guy you're like what's really going on in your life yeah and then like there's like a lot of levity that's like in making Sasha like in making Sasha like an ally to Brittany in that moment you're definitely getting something but when what is about to happen happens like you kind of feel like Dylan and Travis are like bad guys so like them dying in this car wreck that's coming up is like not that sad like you don't really mourn them yeah like it's it's almost like lost on you that like these guys like literally lost their lives you know so she says that you know she doesn't think she's ready and he's like well we have something special between us so when we get to the party in Malibu like we'll find a couch or a bed or something and it will be romantic so they all get back into this car and Gary and Caroline are on their way to Ashley's house and Dylan's driving is really bad at this point. And Brittany's fending off Travis's advances. He's getting more and more intense. Um, so they, they crash like head on into this other car. And then we cut back to Caroline and Gary at the house party. And they are shocked at how bumping this party is like, you would think that these two have never been to a party before a little (laughs) bit. I mean, I know that they're shocked because it's like all teenagers, but like, I feel like these two are like high school sweethearts or something and that they probably have some shit. Like, don't they have that vibe of like they met in college and like had some wild times together before they settled down and have kids. It's like kind of hilarious to see how square they are when they go into this party. Um, but they start asking around, like, does anyone know? It's like very much like that scene in Uncle Buck, except like 
all minus all of the fun where like uncle buck is walking around looking for his niece at the party and he's like just asking everyone like do you know ashley do you know Brittany?" um so finally they spot jackie holding court in the dining room with her cat ears on let's play 44 30 to 46 12. jackie 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 I'm Jackie. What? <laughs> what is all this? I'm, what do you mean? This is a party. Who are you? What's going on? Have you seen my daughter? No, I don't know. My daughter, Brittany, she goes to school with Ashley. Your daughter, Ashley? I do have a daughter, Ashley. <laughs> um, no, um, maybe I can help you out. Um, hold on. Does anybody know Brittany? Nobody knows Brittany. Did you actually buy all this alcohol for the kids? Mm. No, I did not. I did not buy all the alcohol. I bought some of it though. What? What is wrong with you? If anything happens to my daughter, I'm going to hold you personally responsible. You know, no. you're like a police officer. <laughs> all right, guys. Um, hi, baby. They're looking for somebody. Can you help me? I know. Hey, Mrs. Thompson, um, I just saw Ashley not too long ago, but she left with two boys and a girl. She said she was going to another party. Another party? Yeah. Do you know where it's at? No, uh, she just said it was somewhere close by. Just anywhere. I just have to drive around and look for her. Sorry, I, I tried to stop her. Ashley, I really think you should shut this down and put your mother to bed. Yes, ma'am. Sorry. find it all right let's go so there's so much that's like strange about this scene one i think the music like really overwhelms the dialogue but like the house isn't full enough or empty enough for the way that they're acting like the way that she calls over to jackie the way caroline calls her you would think that there's like a sea of bodies between them And not like she can't just walk right up to her and like get close. And then the way that they shoot it, they're also like four or five feet apart. It seems like they're social distancing. So it's like she's doing this, like, you know, sort of mocking them thing that Jackie's doing where she's like, what? You talk like a police officer. Like that feels like something that should have been done with them closer together. If that makes sense, like physically closer together. Yeah. Yeah. It was very weird how far away they were, they were like I I didn't I couldn't figure out if Caroline was like trying to make a scene or if like why why couldn't they just like get closer? It was so awkward. That's definitely what it was. It felt like Caroline was like making a scene, but instead it just came off like kind of oddly entitled. Like as far as I'm concerned, the two of them have never met. So why Caroline's walking in there like, um, Jackie, have mm-hmm. you seen my daughter? Like, it's like, well, who are you? Like yeah. there's, th- there's 200 kids at this house party. Like how is she supposed to know who, whose daughter, like whose daughter is yours. But then like, she's never met Ashley either. I don't know how Ashley even clocked her as Brittany's mom. But then anytime Brittany has shown up to the house, Jackie's been the one to greet her. So Jackie knows who Brittany is. 
Yeah. Maybe she's just supposed to be so drunk that she doesn't. But it's like the scene makes no sense. And like this could have been, I think, like one of the more real moments in the movie where, you know, Gary and Caroline are sort of faced with what's been going on when their daughter's out of the house. And like it's so much worse than they could have imagined. Um, and they meet Jackie, who's just tonally so different than them. But instead, it came off like they were coming in there and like being socially strange, like like as if they've never moved about the world before. When I think that like, you know, I mean, I saw the way they just watched a movie together. Like you think drunk mom and popcorn crotch, like don't know their way around a party. Like I doubt it. And they like handle it like they're like they're the school principal or something, which is like, I hate that I feel that way because I know that Jackie's wrong, but I'm like, y'all are just weird. Like so walk weird. up to her, like a peer, like grab her by the elbow and be like, hey girl, like clearly you're the mom here. Obviously you're drunk. Have you seen my daughter, Brittany? Brittany, yeah, exactly. you know, Brittany's so-and-so, she's blonde. She hangs out with your daughter, Ashley. Like there's ways to like, you know, Jackie's not so drunk that she doesn't know her daughter's friends. I don't know. But Ashley turns to her mom after they leave and she's like, mom, stop. And Jackie tells her, you know, you're hogging all the alcohol. And she falls back into the arms of a teenage boy, which is also just like, that's like the worst is like, it's the worst is that like how physical Jackie is with these kids. Like she really has no boundaries and it's beyond obviously like, her substance abuse problem like Jackie's mom is borderline a predator because like listen you're a lot younger than me you're like 10 years younger than me right but like (laughs) like and I feel maternal towards you which is why I call you my daughter but like truly like like I'm all about intergenerational friendships I believe there is a world in which Jackie could genuinely be a friend type to her daughter's friends but it's like the physical element where like these guys have their hands on her and stuff yeah, like that. Yeah. It's just like, dude, are you like low key a pedo? Like what is going on here? It's so true. You know, sometimes like women don't register as pedo, like sometimes, you know, societally or whatever, but Jackie's deaf creepy. Like it's not, it's not normal. Like, you can't tell me that that half of these guys at this party don't think they have a chance with her. Right. Like, Especially she's like when she's coming from upstairs down with she's them. definitely hooked up with a 17-year-old boy. Like, no question. Like, if anything, Ugh, she brags about it to Rita and Donna. Like, this is like that yeah. weird, like, desperate housewives. It's like towing that line of, like is this morally okay? Cause like if the shoe was on the other foot and that was a man with teenage girls, call the police, like mm-hmm. get the, get the cops in there, get the feds in there. <laughs> so, um, Gary, like the t- Gary and Caroline are driving down the road and Caroline's like, I think there's a car crash up there. And Gary's like, no, it, like there's like this weird, like back and forth about whether or not they're yeah. looking at like a two car pile up, which is like, it's like guys, like, is there someone dying on the street in front of you or not? Like, <laughs> feel like that shouldn't be so complicated. So they get out and they see that there's like this, you know, black sedan where like the entire dr- windshield is like completely smashed in. There's a man in the driver's seat that 
I don't know. They don't like talk about whether or not this man is dead. Like they don't include him in the body count, which is like crazy to me because this man's definitely dead too. Um, and Gary calls 911 and then Caroline spots behind the sedan a flipped over SUV and she's looking around in it and she can't she doesn't know these kids. She doesn't know who's who. And then finally, she spots Brittany in a ditch and she's alive, but barely like her entire face is just completely smashed up. And um, we cut back to Jackie's house where she's like falling drunk out of the front door of the house and Ashley's behind her. And I didn't really understand what was happening here, but I'm guessing that like Jackie just like got close to vomiting from being drunk and Ashley's like taking her outside Mm -hmm. so she can cool down for a second. And they're talking about like Ashley's like, mom, this is so embarrassing. And Jackie's like drunkenly trying to defend herself. And then all of a sudden we hear police sirens and Ashley thinks they're coming to bust up the party. But no, they arrest Jackie, who's way too drunk to even process what's going on. Like Jackie doesn't understand what's happening until she's at the jail cell later on. Um, Brittany, you know, gets to the hospital. They they bring her into the operating room and then we cut back to Jackie who's in jail and she's screaming about how she wants to talk to an attorney. They're telling her she'll have plenty of time to talk to the judge in the morning at her bail hearing. Um, They throw her in the cell for the night and then Caroline and Gary are in the waiting room and Caroline says there's just so much alcohol at the party. There was a keg and I was like the keg is the keg was the least offensive thing there. Like these kids are drinking hard liquor out of bottles. Like that's like a little like bush light in a keg is the thing I am <laughs> least worried about at that party. Yeah. But the doctor comes out and tells them that Brittany is stable. Although she sustained a lot of injuries. She's a broken femur, a broken arm, three broken ribs, damage to her organs, and will probably need another surgery. Now, if, if they thought paying for private school was going to be a problem, I don't know. I like I I was like I was worried for them. I felt sick to my stomach. I was like, how are they going to get themselves out of the medical debt that this is going to put them in? I was thinking the same thing. My sister got in a car accident. She was in high school during the time, too, actually. Um, And I remember how awful that was. Like just the helicopter ride to the hospital, I think, was like 10,000 or 20,000. It was nuts. I'll never forget seeing this was like back in 2007 or eight, someone that I was friends with on Tumblr posted the cost of like their bills from when they had appendicitis and what it would have been before insurance. And I think it was like $75,000. Yeah, it's sick. This is like organ damage. Like this is like an internal surgery plus multiple broken bones plus like all the tests that you have to do when a person comes in like that. Like it's this is like a half a million dollar surgery, probably this this ordeal by the time they get in and out. And I would like to think Jackie would be held accountable for some of these bills, but I don't think that's the case. So um, they ask to see her and the doctor says she's probably just waking up from anesthesia now, which is my favorite in movies because it's like <laughs> right when the doctor talks to them, they're like, they should be waking up from anesthesia now. When in reality, it's probably like, no, in about four hours, we'll be able to take you back there. So they see her for the first time post-surgery and Caroline's crying to Gary about how they got themselves in this position. And he says that it was an accident. And she tells him drunk driving is not an accident. They got drunk at that house and then they drove. Um, 
And so she sits down next to Brittany and she's like, mommy and daddy are here. And, you know, Brittany starts to wake up a little bit and she tells him that she's sorry. Caroline, like, is like, don't even worry about it. Like, (laughs) we're past you apologizing. (laughs) So Jackie wakes up in her cell in the morning to go to the bail hearing. And she's like, obviously very hungover. Um, And he's like, the judge is going to help you decide what your bail is, if you're a danger to run. And she's like, have you seen these heels? I'm not going anywhere. (laughs) Which I was like, good. That's actually funny, Jackie. Like, I'm going to give you that. That was kind of funny. So she's like begging for water and for a place to clean up this poor like this poor like jail guy. Like, I feel so bad because he's like he's like bottom tier, like he's like bottom tier cop. That's basically just, you know, he's handling like the shit faced housewives that are getting brought in and out of the holding cell. Like, I almost was like, yeah, he's a cop, but he also doesn't deserve this. Like, he also doesn't deserve having to deal with this like Beverly Hills cunt that like (laughs) just killed four teenagers last night. So (laughs) the bail hearing starts and Ashley is there. Caroline and Gary arrive right before the judge is supposed to talk to Jackie. 5442 to 5749. Mrs. Anderson, please stand. Yes. You are charged with furnishing alcoholic beverages to persons under 21 and involuntary manslaughter. Your warrant states that in violation of state code 3323 and state code 1653, subject did provide alcohol to persons under the age of 21 at a party, after which four teenagers left the party and were involved in a fatal automobile accident. Three of them died and the fourth is in critical condition. Do you understand the charges against you today? I understand the charges, but this is ridiculous. (laughs) Do you understand that the involuntary manslaughter charge is a very serious felony? Yes, I'm quite aware that involuntary manslaughter is serious. I'm not an idiot. If found guilty, you could serve from one to 10 years for each of the victims. Understood, but that is not gonna happen. I am confident that I will be not guilty. But because your criminal record is clear, I will consider granting you bail today. However, the court has been informed that a parent of one of the victims would like to address the court concerning the matter of bond. Would the witness please stand up and state your name? Oh, yes, Your Honor, that's me. I'm Caroline Thompson. Our daughter, Brittany, is the only survivor of last night's car accident. Um, I wanted to address the court regarding Ms. Anderson's bail. You may proceed, Mrs. Thompson. I realize, Your Honor, that her charges are not violent ones, that she didn't have a gun as a weapon, but I'm very concerned that if you let her go, she's just gonna go right back to serving minors, alcohol and drugs. I object, I, ob- I uh, Your Honor, please, I object to this. This woman does not know me and she doesn't know my daughter. I don't know what's wrong with her. She has had something against me for a while, apparently. She doesn't even know what she's talking about. Look at her. She looks like she shops at an outlet mall. Mrs. Anderson, you cannot object to a witness's request for a denial of bail. In fact, you cannot interrupt the witness at all. And if you do so again, I will hold you in contempt of court. Please proceed, Mrs. Thompson. Your Honor, I'm, I'm concerned that she's dangerous. I made a very big mistake letting my daughter spend time at her house and she almost paid for it with her life. Judge, if you could just please keep her locked up until her trial. I'm, I'm afraid that she's going to resume her reckless ways and she's going to endanger other teenagers. 
and lives could be lost. I completely understand, Mrs. Thompson, but because Mrs. Anderson has no criminal record and there are no indications that she's likely to reoffend, the court will grant her bail at this juncture. However, to ensure that Mrs. Anderson returns to stand trial, the court will set a significant bail amount. The bail will be $100,000. Next. All right. So let's get into this. I. All right. So I don't think $100,000 is enough bail for someone that has the blood of four people on their hands. Like, right. and because it's like the guy who was driving the car, the three teenagers that died, and then Brittany, who's like severely, like, severely not doing well. She's in the hospital with severely. an ass. She's severely <laughs> not doing well. Okay. So, like, I, I do think I understand why Caroline wants to have Jackie held, like, just purely out of spite. Like I would be like keeper in jail, but I don't think the that's the play here. Mostly because I feel like Jackie would crumble almost immediately when in jail, and that would that would um like if as if she needed any more help at trial, just as like a wealthy white woman, I feel like that would really help her out at trial because she's gonna come in looking like a hot mess. Like it's better to let her be a bad person at home. Plus she has a minor child. Like what does Caroline get from like taking Ashley's only adult from her? I don't think Jackie's going to have another house party. I really don't like, I think that, I think that it was like almost short-sighted of Caroline to like go in in there and make that point. But then it's it's outrageous that Jackie is like, your honor, she's poor. Okay. She's, she's obsessed with me and she's poor, which like, I have to say, Michael Pfeiffer, like, do you think that's what women talk about? Like, do you think that that's like, like, you know, I mean, like, yes, Jackie is an obnoxious, larger than life character. She's an absurd person, but like, Jackie exists in the world, right? She's not going to just be like, your honor, she's obsessed with me and she's poor. Yeah. And she has no, like there has been nothing that has happened before would make Jackie think that Caroline's obsessed with her. Like they've never even interacted before. Right. It's like, it's like she, it's one of those things where like, I don't know if you've ever been in a situation where you realize that like you are more known to someone than they are to you. So you're like, Oh, listen, like this whole backstory that Caroline has about me, like literally, like I didn't even realize she knew I existed. Right. I can see that Jackie has that sort of POV, but like it also, it's not, it's not abnormal for like a parent to be aware of their child's friend's parents. Like it's, I know we're not dealing with like a logical person here. It just is like this whole scene is so ridiculous to me when we're talking about the, like the, the gravity of the situation is that four people are dead and one is severely injured. Yeah. You'd think like after the outlet mall comment, I don't know, a hundred thousand dollars just is not sufficient. And like, you know, I mean, I think like with Jackie, it's more about, you know, she definitely 
has problems with alcohol, like, and you don't even need a trial for that. Like, I feel like part of the bail hearing would be like, and we're putting a, 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 um, an electronic bracelet on you or something. Right. You know, when I think it happened. Yeah. When they were like first arresting Jackie, I felt so bad when Ashley was like, she said something about like Jackie being sick and like probably she was like about to like throw up. But also like, I mean, Jackie's really sick. She's like an alcoholic. Um, that hit for me as well, my when friend. She, yeah, I was when like, she said she's sick. I was like, Ugh. what an interesting choice of words, right? Like it because yeah. it's like, you know, she's thinking, I mean, I don't know if Ashley was aware of the depth of what she said, which is like, like, I mean, I think Jackie is unfortunately like someone who's an asshole who also happens to be an addict. Like, I don't think that like her drinking lifestyle, like led her to being this person. Right. Like, I feel like even if she sobered up, she would still be like a fucking asshole. Totally. But Jackie has major problems, dude. Like this is like definitely like mandated rehab and mm-hmm. mandated, you know, like electronic bracelet monitoring, like at, at least like slap a bracelet on her. I'm not sure if you can do that at a bail hearing, but I feel like they can say like it's a condition of bail that you're sober. I think so. That I'm seems pretty like sure. Yeah, I feel like that's something I've heard of before. Like when they take into account what you're what you're being, what your bail hearing is. And they'll say, okay, a hundred thousand dollars bail. And you have to wear an electronic monitor. Yeah. That was totally left out. There wasn't enough talk about, you know, her being a straight up alcoholic. And we could have had some great jokes about Jackie with her like ankle monitor on, (laughs) like about her shoes, you know, like there's comedy there. We could have had some like electronic bracelet comedy, So then Jackie and Ashley get home and the house is still a mess. And Jackie's like, did you even get anything done since I've been in jail? Um, Like she's pissed that the house isn't clean because like the house definitely looks like it was torn up by frat brothers. Like, yeah, there's writing on the pictures. Yeah, (laughs) there's like like large pool floaties everywhere. Like for some reason, these kids are animals and decided to TP the interior and exterior of the house, which is like, when you think about it, that's just like a great cheap way to imply that a party was there. Like throw some red cups everywhere, get some toilet paper out. Like for the price of $5, you've just made it look like some activity happened there. Like there's someone wrote in lipstick on like the family pictures that are in the house. So like, whatever, but like, think about the logistics of this. Ashley, Ashley has to kick everyone out of her house after her mom has gone to jail. She has to, you know, I guess, hopefully sleep a little bit, get showered, dressed and ready, and then get herself down to the courthouse by 8 a.m. for her mom's bail hearing. Like, when would have Ashley even had time to clean the house? Like, I don't think I would have been able to physically yeah. get myself out of bed to go to a bail hearing now, let alone when I was like 16. That's a tight turnaround. So Jackie says that, you know, Ashley's <laughs> friends are Ashley. the ones who came over to get drunk. This is on Ashley. And <laughs> Ashley's like, ah, uh, 
actually like the friends I invited over our teenagers, like, didn't it ever occur to you that this might happen? And Jackie says, you know, she pours herself some vodka in a plastic cup because she's, you know, getting some hair of the dog, I guess she needs. So she's like, no, it never occurred to me that this would happen. I assumed that your friend's parents knew if their kids were able to, you know, handle a party or not, which <laughs> I love it. I love that. Like she thinks Brittany's mom is like, no, you're going to get too fucked up. You have to stay home. Like, or no, I've seen you on three jello shots before. Like, can you even imagine like parents vetting whether enough their child is like a responsible drinker to go to a party? Like (laughs) Ashley's fucking crazy. So she or Jackie's fucking crazy. So Ashley rips the cup out of her mom's hand and she's like, do you understand that you're going to jail? And Jackie's like, I'm not going to jail. My attorney's going to get me out of this. Just wait and see. And, you know, I really thought three kids died. You know, I really thought that Jackie might not have been so confident that she would get out of jail, but she knows her stats. She's like, I'm a rich white woman. I'm not going to jail over this. So. Jackie says she's not going to let this destroy her. She didn't let Ashley's dad destroy her. And she's not going to let this destroy her either. As if like a quadruple homicide and a divorce are even on the same level. Like, can you even imagine? Like, who was like the most like when you were like growing up, who was like the most like lit parent, you know? Oh, God. Um... Damn, I feel like I was surrounded by boring parents. I can't really think of one right now. Maybe probably someone in my family. I can't believe you're from Florida <laughs> and you don't know like a Florida man. <laughs> um, honestly, yeah, I can't I can't think of anyone right now. It's like, you know, all the parents were so like my parents friends. They were just religious. So, yeah, because you're like a church family. This is a different world. That's like a whole additional layer of pressure. So um, Ashley asks her if she even has any remorse for these kids and their families. And Jackie says, of course she does, but there's nothing she can do about it. They're dead. Um, And Ashley's like, I'm done, mom. You know, I thought that you were awesome. I thought you were the cool mom, the party mom, but you're just a self-centered mom. You're not a mom at all. Whenever I've needed a mom over the past 16 years, you've just let me take care of myself. I'm going to go live with my dad and that's it. And Jackie says she's not going to live with her dad. That's the stupidest thing she's ever heard. She can't leave her. Um, and Jackie just is like having a a fucking yeah. addict meltdown <laughs> in the foyer of the house, basically. So at the hospital, Brittany is finally coming back to life. And Caroline asks her if she's okay. And Brittany starts to cry and tells her she loves her so much. She's so sorry. She was so mean to them. Can they ever forgive her? And Emma and her dad are there too. And they like come over and they're all basically saying like, you're forgiven. Um, which like you would think is obvious at this point, but I don't think that would have been obvious to me. I would have been thinking like, when's the other shoe going to drop and what, like, am I going to get out of the hospital and they're going to be mad at me? Like, when are they going to be mad at me? Right. Yeah. Me too. Um, Forget how those big moments totally change a family dynamic. So Ashley shows up to the hospital room with like a huge thing of flowers and she asks if she can talk to Brittany and 
Brittany says, yeah. So the two of them talk for a moment. Ashley tells her she's so sorry. She was a bad friend to her and she didn't deserve that. And she asks Brittany to please forgive her. And she does. Ashley tells her that she's going to go to Santa Barbara to live with her dad after her mom's hearing because her mom always made him sound like he was such a bad guy, but she never found out for herself. She's really excited because she thinks that he does really love her. And Brittany tells her that she's really happy for her. You know, Ashley gives her the flowers and says, like, I'll give you some time to rest. So the court is packed for Jackie's trial, like on both sides, like everyone is out for this trial and she's charged with furnishing minors with alcohol, contributing to delinquency of a minor health and safety code violations, giving drugs to a minor. So the judge's voice like trails off as he's reading these charges. And we see a montage of various people on the stand being questioned about the events that night. Um, and we see Ashley's there with her grandparents, like who, by the way, like, I don't know what I thought Jackie's parents looked like, but it wasn't <laughs> that. <laughs> I, I don't think I registered that, that those were her parents. I just was like, who are these old people? I didn't think it through. They really didn't. Yeah. Her father not- was like a nondescript <laughs> gentleman, but like her grandmother had like, she had like major energy of like works in the science museum gift shop. <laughs> yes. Like she's wearing like a teal shirt and she's got short spiky gray hair and she's got like some sort of like like gemstone on a black string type necklace. Like she looks <laughs> like she works at the science museum and then is like like polyamorous in her social life. Yeah. And also why was Jackie like during the trial she was literally in like jeans and a t-shirt i was so confused probably because they were trying to make her like look down to earth or something (laughs) i don't know it's it's weird like jackie is like all business on top and then like very casual on the bottom i mean i guess that's the california of it all i can't (laughs) imagine going to court in fucking jeans though for like a triple homicide. Triple. <laughs> <laughs> the, the trial stuff was kind of weird. So um, the jury has completed their deliberation and the verdict is ready. She's found not guilty for providing minors with alcohol, contributing delinquency of a minor, indecent intoxication in the presence of a minor, and involuntary manslaughter. So she basically, she got away with all of it. Which like, the woman reading the the judgment yeah. is basically like she's looking at the judge like i mean i don't want to say it but unfortunately <laughs> this is going to be another not guilty and like it was like painful because like you know there's this like spoiled rich white woman and the judge is a black man and the woman reading the like i don't think she was like the jury person i feel like she was like a court officer but she was also like a black woman and i felt like so just like god that must suck for them <laughs> to like yeah. have to read I, this verdict come back where like this woman i mean if that if she had not been a rich white woman if she had been like you know almost anyone else literally almost anyone else even a man that jury would have been totally different definitely and i mean you know there was just like some charges that i felt like just were such a given like maybe she could get away with the manslaughter ones but like serving minor to alcohol and like being indecent in front of like that it was so obviously i don't know it was nuts give her something anything 
it doesn't have to result in jail time, but like yeah. give her a fucking massive fine and like force her to pay the the hospital bills for Brittany or like the funeral expenses for the family. Like how is she getting out of here without even a bill? Like she's just paying her lawyer at that point, which by the way, (laughs) I don't know if you agree with me, but like, it does seem like there's like a sexual vibe between the lawyer and Jackie. Yeah. They had a very like personable relationship. They definitely seem to have like a, especially when they were arguing later. Yeah. Like a, Casey Anthony and Jose Baez sort of thing, or like a like an Anna Nicole and Howard thing, where it's like, are you blowing him for like legal representation, ma'am? So Ashley's like happy for her mom, but she's obviously like kind of shocked that she got away with it. And that night, Caroline and Gary visit Brittany, and they're looking at her through like an observation window. And Gary's like, you know, I just don't know how an entire jury couldn't see what a complete menace to society that woman is. And Caroline says that Jackie only cares about herself, and that's all the money that you know she just basically she bought her way out of this and gary says that he's never hated anyone like her and for the first time he understands vigilante justice that was so such an odd thing to say right because like i'm gonna be honest with you i've understood vigilante justice my whole life like yeah are you telling me gary it's never occurred to you why people (laughs) take things into their own hands like You've never watched 2020 and like heard about some guy that was like a serial molester and like one of the dads went after them. Like that is just like watch an episode of TV, Gary. I know you're a hardworking man, (laughs) but like maybe on movie night, you should watch a documentary or something. Like, how do you not understand the concept of like vigilante justice as a father? You would think that you understand like wanting to take something into your own hands. So Anyway, he says that she almost killed their daughter and he needs to go over there and tell her exactly how he feels about this. And I would think that there would be some sort of court order where the family can't ever come near each other again sort of thing. Yeah. But, you know, Caroline is pushing for him to stay away, but he says, you know, I got to go do it anyway. So he leaves the hospital. And then outside Jackie's house, we see basically how this movie started. We see a man in a ski mask creeping around the property and he breaks into the house. He makes his way inside. And when he and Ashley cross paths in the foyer, he takes out his gun and he says, this is for Travis. Bang. Shoots her. This is for Dylan. Bang. Shoots her. This is for Sasha bang and this is for Brittany. so this man unloads four bullets into ashley's chest which like dramatic yeah like this is a grown man shooting a teenager a 15 year old four times i I knew it was her he said her name yeah exactly he knew exactly who she was she's a teenager she's not the one who's responsible for this also like this man is oddly there to get justice for all four victims except the man who was killed in the sedan which by the way i'm upset that no one is talking about this man that like i had to see his dead body like i had to see his fictional dead body we all did and like no one has mentioned this man like you would think they'd be like and what about george white the innocent man who was driving home in his car and was struck by these four drunk teenagers like you would think that like use him as a tool like where's his family in all of this like that would have been great if they could have been like her drunk driving didn't just lead to these teenagers dying it also like led to this innocent man who was just driving home like i don't know it's very upsetting um 
So he runs out the front door after shooting Ashley and he falls to the ground, which is like kind of great. And when he trips, he drops his gun and it slides down into a ditch on the side of the house and he crawls down into the ditch to find it. And that's when Gary's car pulls up to the house and Gary walks up to the door and he like before he can even like, I mean, it's one of those big glass doors, which like, I don't understand why people have those. Yeah, I'm I'm not really into those. It was so weird because the night before I was watching this TV show where the exact same thing happens. Like a person walks up onto a dead body and a cop is just instantly there. My immediate reaction is like, well, is this cop like the killer? Because they just came out of nowhere. It was so weird. Right. Yeah. So like as soon as as soon as he stumbles across the body, the cops are right there. What show were you watching where that happened? Um, Frontier. Is that what it's called? I think it's called Frontier. It's really good. It's like a prime show. It's like a murder mystery. Oh, yeah. It's um, it seems like obvious to me that if he did this, he wouldn't be there like that. Like the forensics of the crime scene make no sense. And I know that that's like not up for the cop to decide there's like a bigger team involved in that, but like, where's the gun? If he did this, then where's the gun? Like he's not even caught red handed. He's clearly like checking on the wellness of this girl. Right. Also the show is called fortitude. I just needed to say that because it's not frontier. So, um, We cut to Jackie at a celebration at the Boulevard, which is a real restaurant that is located in the Four Seasons on Wilshire and Beverly Hills. It's like that building is like, you know, when you think of Beverly Hills, it's like right across from Rodeo. It's one of the most recognizable spots in L.A. Um, It's interesting because like if I didn't know better, I would think that they really filmed it there. It's like it's interesting that they also like had the rights to like say that a a murderer (laughs) is having their post jail party like at this place like it almost (laughs) seems like a legal issue like why would the four seasons want to be associated with this um it's also poor probably more notably like this is like where i don't think this is where pretty woman was but It might be like it's just one of those. It's a very famous exterior. You'd know it if you saw it. So um, Jackie's having this party and this is when her lawyer gets the call that something has happened inside of Jackie's house. Let's play Jackie's toast. Um, 112.05 to 113.05. I'm so glad that we are here tonight and celebrating. And honestly, I... I couldn't have done it without you guys. I appreciate you so much. And thank you so much for supporting me and loving me. And I am with all of you. And I am not sitting in a jail cell. It means everything in the world to me. And you stayed with me through this. And I couldn't have done it without you. Thank you so much. Cheers, everybody. This is such a celebration. Yay! Cheers. Okay, no worries. Why don't you just have a seat and I will finish this drink and we'll head out, okay? There's a problem at your house. We have to leave now. Okay, that does not sound good. Um, you guys enjoy yourself. I will be back later. Jackie, put down your drink. I have your phone. We need to leave. We're leaving now. Excuse me. Um, drinks, get as much as you want. It's on me. Um, I will call you later. You're being very harsh. I don't appreciate you. That's very, very I don't want you to- Okay, so (laughs) 
I love them arguing as they walk. I know. So something I just like noticed about this clip is that they're we're supposed to believe that this like banquet table has been set up in the middle of this tiny dining room and like to the point where they're in earshot of the hostess. There's also other tables around them. And like one of them looks like probably like a first or second date. And like, there's this like, can you imagine being on your like first or second date? And there's this woman like who's clearly drunk off of her ass with all of her bougie friends giving like a speech about how she's not in jail. (laughs) That's like enough that like I would like on the date, I'd be like, I'm either going to marry this person or I'm never going to see him again. Like this is so bizarre that like, we could only go through this together if we're never going to see each other again, or if this is like meant to be, it just feels too crazy that we're here. So Jackie pulls up to her house um, and she drove home by the way. So no, no lessons were learned about drinking and driving and she sees the police presence and like starts to get a lot more anxious. So she runs up to the house and she asks what's happening. And she asks this cop, she's like, what's going on in there? And there's like, they're setting up like, there's those like yellow numbers on the floor that they put out at a crime scene. And there's like caution tape all around the house. And like the cop, like literally I, I couldn't help but think of like the Capitol being mobbed because like the cop did about as much as those cops did where he's like, he's like, ma'am, yeah. please, please, ma'am, do, don't do this. And she like, blows past him into a like an actual like a live crime scene where like they're like taking like details of the ferret like they're doing all of that shit and ashley's like you know has her hands all over ashley's body and the cop is telling her that they have a man in custody a guy named gary thompson does that ring a bell and she's like that's Brittany's father so you know, this becomes very real for her all of a sudden. And then we see Donna and Rita are over and they're, (laughs) this is great. So Donna and Rita are there to comfort her and Jackie and Jackie's lawyer, you know, Jackie's lawyer is trying to reason with all of them. 114.11 to 115.31. They couldn't just accept the decision. It was a jury. It It was a jury that was made up of trash, just like them. I mean, it was their peers, it wasn't ours, and they still couldn't accept it. It doesn't make sense. Why would Gary kill Ashley? Ashley and Brittany were friends. Are you stupid? He did not come here to kill Ashley. He came here to kill me. He took something precious from me, and I am going to take something precious from him. You mark my words. Jackie, please calm down. Calm down. You want me to calm down? My daughter is dead. My daughter is dead and you want me to calm down? Get out of my house. Just go, you're not helping. You're not helping, leave. We love you. 
I'm starting to think that Brittany is right and that Jackie is a narcissist because I mean, she's got to have some balls to be like, um, excuse me, my daughter is dead after she just got home from a dinner party where she was celebrating how she got off with the murder of like four people. <laughs> like, did are those shoes you really needed to step in, Jackie, for this to get real for you? Like, how many dead bodies did there have to be before it affected you? <laughs> So Caroline's with Brittany at the hospital when her cell phone rings. It's Gary. And he's telling her that he's in police custody downtown. Oh, wait, by the way, did you notice that Rita became Southern? Oh, yeah, I know. I I, I didn't notice that until the second time I watched it. I, I like I couldn't I couldn't remember if she was Southern earlier in the movie, but like just something about her calling the peers, the jury of their peers, like poor and like <laughs> trash people. Like all of a sudden I was hearing the Southern accent and I was like, did she lose the Southern accent like somewhere? And then when she's drunk and emotional, it comes out or like, you know, does she oddly have a Southern accent when she's drunk? Like, I didn't know what was going on there, but Gary's telling Caroline that he got arrested and she's like, what did you do? And he says, I didn't do anything. I showed up to the house and I found Ashley. There's blood everywhere. And he tells her that, you know, we had nothing to do with it and everything's going to be fine. He let his emotions get the best of him, but he called his sister so that she can relieve Caroline at the hospital and she should go home to Emma and take care of the babysitter. Caroline says, okay. And she tells him she loves him. So in the morning, Jackie wakes up hungover on her couch, clutching a bottle of vodka. And she's in the anger stage of grief. I think that's fair to say. And she's decided she's going to do something about it. So she finds the school directory in the junk drawer of the kitchen and like walks out to her car. She drives out of Beverly Hills, drinking a flask. Um, Gary is let go from jail and he's, you know, take there like you're taking up space. You got to get out of here. Sorry about arresting you. Um, the person who killed Ashley was Sasha's dad. He went down there to kill Jackie, but killed Ashley instead, which is like what's so crazy about the way that killing went out was because the guy was like, this is for Dylan. This is for Travis. This yeah. is for Sasha. This is for Brittany. Like I would have either started or closed with Sasha. I was thinking the same thing and we like never hear about him again. We never even got to see his face. It was just weird. It was really weird. It's like a, it was a pasted together ending to say the least. Yeah. We didn't see him get arrested like, you know, in the cell or something. I don't know. So Gary says that he, you know, wish that he, you know, he called basically he calls Caroline is like, I'm coming home. There was a mistake. <laughs> Uh, you know, I'm, I'm on my way back and she's like, okay, well, I love you. I'll see you. T I'll see you soon. And, um, Caroline sees Emma poking her head around the corner and she's like, do you know how much I love you? And she goes, you have to, it's the law. So <laughs> yeah. They hear a car screeching in the driveway and Caroline tells Emma to go upstairs and shut her bedroom door behind her. So she looks out the window and she sees it's Jackie and she has like, 0.2 seconds to make a decision on how she's going to handle this, but she doesn't, she's kind of frozen and I don't blame her for that. So Jackie's like banging at the door and Caroline's like, stop knocking. Hold on. I'm going to let you in. So awkward. <laughs> I know. Cause I was like, what's the problem? Like, 
like this woman's clearly unhinged, like either like double bolt the doors and call the police or like just answer the door. Like she's the stop knocking, like stop knocking. Like I was like, are you, did something happen? Like is knocking a trigger for you? Like what's going on? So, okay. Let's play one twenty one fifty to one twenty four thirty. This is, I mean, unbelievable. What can I do for you, Jackie? Oh my gosh, I just... I know. I... I'm sorry. How is your daughter doing? She's okay. Yeah? Yeah. And she's alive, right? Yeah. She's alive. Question. Sure. Do you think I'm guilty? I do. You're the one who let them drink at your house, right? And then they went off and drove. Yes, I think you're guilty. You're blaming me for this? Yeah, because they could have gotten alcohol somewhere else. It's your fault. Do you also think that it's my fault that your husband murdered my daughter? Jackie. What? He didn't kill her. Yes, he did. The police arrested him. Jackie, I think if you just maybe sober up a little bit, okay? Then you can see the truth. Your husband murdered my daughter. He did not. And now I am going to take something from him. Let go of the gun. Oh, let go of the gun. Let go of the gun. What is wrong with you Valley people? What is wrong with you? Why did you have to come to Beverly Hills? Your daughter doesn't belong in Beverly Hills. She belongs here in the Valley with the losers that are here. All of this is because of you. All of this is because of your daughter. Do you understand me? Why did you come? Why did you, why did you stay? This is all. My house. Check my wife. Get off. No. You killed my daughter. I did, but I will kill you. Oh, she did. Don't shoot her! Don't put the gun down. We'll make sure you go to prison for life. Dude, so Gary fucking punched Jackie in the face. (laughs) I... I mean, I get it. Like, Like, she just lost her daughter. I felt kind of bad for her i okay i agree with you i mean it could have like if caroline's dumbass would have just said hunty like the the actual killer has been caught it was sasha's dad like the whole altercation might have never happened (laughs) can you imagine if she said she she goes hunty (laughs) read the newspaper hunty okay (laughs) no i mean like it's all like it's so it's the storytelling is so unhinged because like jackie has a real reason to be upset 
right? Like her daughter is dead and she's irrationally taking it out on these people. But then like right when you think you understand Jackie's motivation, she goes off on this bizarre rant about how poor people are infesting Beverly Hills and she should have just stayed up in the valley when like, I mean, let's be real, like the sort of classism around the valley is really like limited to the movie Clueless, like in real life, like in actuality, there's a lot of wealth in the valley. Um, and so like the whole like thing, just it's like nouveau riche, like the weird classism towards the valley in the middle of all of this. And I'm going to go ahead and say it. OK, that fucking fist to the face that Jackie got at the end of this movie, again, could have been solved with a light slap across Britney's face by Caroline in that very first scene about where they're arguing about whether or not like Britney is is ashamed of her mom or not like this real that like literally the movie would have stopped there and I don't know again it's just like sort of like Jackie is like kind of a rich character like it's like there could have been some really fun stuff they could have done with this character but it just was like wasted on this story I know like I I would have really liked to see like her slowly like getting worse and worse and like her downfall but it was just like like the stuff about the valley was so just didn't make sense like how is that her motivation for like it doesn't doesn't work it doesn't work and then you know it's just like it's it's sad because like she really needs to go to treatment of some kind you know that's what really needed to happen with Jackie is she needed to like have her issues addressed um and again like that's a failing of the court system like Jackie should have been taken straight to rehab from the court that day you know um Mm -hmm. or something but like you know there's also like again more plot holes like where did Jackie get this gun all of a sudden like like yeah you know as as the reviewer on IMDB said as as it was prophetically put by my (laughs) friends call me dirt user my friends call me dirt plot holes big enough to drive a 30 minute episode of alf through okay like whatever that (laughs) means by the way is if maybe that's like a reference to something i don't understand but um yeah so we get this little update at the hospital where Brittany is wheeled out and her doctor is saying that her surgery was a success and she should be out of the hospital in less than a week again i'm like thinking about the crippling medical debt this family is in now And Caroline says that it's really good news. Gary thanks her for everything. The whole family gathers around and hugs her. And then we cut to the exterior of a jail. And you guys who know my fucking triggers at this point, when it comes to the way that they wrap up these movies, when there's a villainous character, um, are you going to know that some of my triggers are really triggered here? 125.27 to 126.08. Guard? Hello? Guard, can you hear me? Get me out of here, please! This jumpsuit is giving me a rash. I haven't had filtered water. I need that. Guard! Shut up! I don't have gluten-free food. It's terrible. I'm bloated. I haven't taken a shower. I stink. Guard, I know you can hear me. I know you can hear me. Please, please, take it. 
this ends with her yelling, can I get a selfie? She's saying, can I get a selfie to the guard? And it's like, what do you want? Like filtered water, gluten-free food, a shower or a selfie? Like those don't even exist (laughs) on the same list of possibilities. Totally. Like, why would she want to take a selfie if she feels bloated? Like, it just. Yeah. Like, for what? <laughs> like, you want know. a selfie for what, Jackie? <laughs> and like, they're doing this thing where it's like, she's so spun out. Like, she's so insane. And all she can think about is her social media. And it's just like, that's not how it works, dear. Like, unfortunately, that's just really not how it works. Um, so there's a review on IMDb that's that's just simply titled guard may I have a selfie or guard I need a selfie and it says <laughs> overacted in some plot holes but a very entertaining lifetime movie lots of LA cliches and 1960s style drunk driving video type scenes worth a watch um let's see if anyone okay this is a, a nine out of ten someone gave it oh my god this is better than the title would suggest It's more than just a warning about drunk driving and teen partying. The title character is very convincingly played by the beautiful Krista Allen, who does the irresponsible mom perfectly. Watch this. Um, Yeah, I love it when, like, someone who's clearly, like, a a stan of, like, the person in the movie, like, comes on and, like... Yes. (laughs) Like, it's like, oh, my God. Um, This is... It's like one of those or a bot. This is by J. Kenny Atta... 3,400 on um, IMDb, two out of 10 stars. Plot is crap. Now, right away, the first sentence of this is wrong. Jackie sells alcohol to some kids. (laughs) That's not what happens. Four of them get into a car accident. Only one of them survives. And the survivor, Brittany, is a friend of Jackie's daughter, Ashley. Meanwhile, Jackie is arrested, but somehow gets off scot-free in court. I'm just going to get to the part where the plot starts. A masked intruder implied to be one of the dead kid's parents breaks into Jackie's home and kills Ashley in revenge. Kill the woman's daughter, because that'll definitely bring your own child back, right? Anyways, Gary, who was snooping around Jackie's house for some reason, enters the home and finds Ashley dead. The cops come and arrest him because they think he killed her. The next day, the Thompsons find out who the real killer is. It was indeed one of the dead kid's parents, Sasha's father, to be exact. Gary is released from jail. But guess what happens to Sasha's father? Nothing. So Jackie goes over to Brittany's house to kill Gary, knowing he's innocent, and runs into Caroline, Brittany's mother, who didn't even bother telling her who the real killer is, but instead decides to scold her for selling alcohol to minors. Yeah, instead of telling the grieving mom who her daughter's killer really is, she decides to antagonize her. This, of course, leads to Jackie pulling a gun close to Caroline, who tries to disarm her. Gary comes in, takes the gun, and punches punches Jackie in the face. We're treated to the usual lifetime epilogue that shows the hero living their best life while the villain rots in prison. Yes, Jackie is shown in her cell crying and asking to be released. What a horrible ending, even for a villainess. Jackie didn't even get a chance to bury her daughter. The worst part is that the movie makes it seems like Ashley deserved to be murdered to teach Jackie a lesson. We did not watch the same movie as this person. <laughs> this person is honestly like, they got some of it. I would say they got some of it right, but it's like, no, unfortunately, like when you go to jail for murder, you don't get to bury your daughter. Like, that's not that's not how it works. Like, of course, we didn't see the trial of Sasha's dad. Like, this is like this is a you're in the wrong, wrong world. So 
Okay, so let's go to trivia for this movie. It says, when Brittany's parents arrive at Ashley's party, Ashley tells them Ashley left a few minutes ago instead of saying Brittany. Oh, there's that one. Krista Allen, mm-hmm. Jackie, who plays the main character's real-life son, Jake Morritt, plays Dylan in this movie. Um, oh. That was the kid driving, right? Yeah, that was the driving guy. Um, when their daughter is in the hospital, an overhead page can be heard, Dr. Wyatt to radiation. Brian Krause played Leo Wyatt for years on the show Charmed. He played a healer. So I think Brian Krause is the name of the dad. Mm, yeah, I think so. Um, hmm. I mean, listen, this movie was bad. Um, it just was. Like, I'm not even going to be like, oh, it's a, I mean, like, listen, by all means, if you're like hungover on the couch and you like want a reason to never drink again, this movie is like a good example <laughs> of like, just like how shitty people can be. Um, It's like kind of interesting in terms of someone who like lives in LA for like lulls because like you can recognize certain locations and um, just like the Valley versus Beverly Hills drama is so like overwrought. But uh, no, I really wouldn't recommend this movie to a friend. Like I would never say seek out this movie I feel bad that this is the one I'm doing with my beloved daughter, Amaris. Like, I don't know. I just, you know, I mean, listen, I've seen better. I'll put it that way. Yeah. I, (laughs) I just can't, I I just can't even that ending. I don't even know. I don't know. At least Jackie was hot. That's what I got out of it. There are some like longer reviews on, um, websites that specifically deal with um, with Lifetime movies and it seems to be there's this blog called Lifetime Uncorked they gave it four knives which I think is like four out of five knives and then three glasses of wine required in order to watch um, let's see I'm like I'm surprised that there's not more overt hate for this movie. This really has to be one of the worst lifetime movies I have ever seen. <laughs> like and I, and I think you guys it, know that I root for these movies. Yeah, it was like easy to watch, but it was also painful at the same time. There's a review by a guy named Mark Fusion, and he gives it a 0 out of 10 for nudity, a 1 out of 10 for blood, a 3 out of 10 for dialogue, and a 3 out of 10 for overall insanity. I mean, I agree with that. Uh, I I think his desire for nakedness in TV movies is potentially a little bit, um, (laughs) you know, I mean, it is a TV movie, Mark. Like, I don't know what you want, but um, yeah, I mean, listen, it is what it is. Uh, I didn't love it. Sorry. <laughs> Do you have any final thoughts yeah. on this? Oh God, party mom. Well, I'm. I, <laughs> if this was going to be like the first time I get to come on this podcast, and it was for party mom, at least it was. I don't. <laughs> It was a pretty bad train wreck, but I I don't know. At least it was a mother that we can learn something from. Yeah, I'm. I think next time I'm gonna have to let you per- peruse the uh, Lifetime movie section and find something you're more passionate about because I feel like this was just sort of a uh, sort of a big fat disappointment. Although it was fun to talk about with you, this movie was like 
I don't, I actually don't think I've ever been so negative about a movie. I can't like in five years of doing this show, I don't know if there's a movie I've ever disliked this much. Really? It's the top one. Cause it's just not like silly. It's just like bad in all of the wrong ways. Like it, it drives me nuts. Yeah. Like sometimes it's like fun when there's like a big plot hole. Sometimes it's like fun when like the, the writing is a little strange or like the acting is a little stilted, but like, I honestly feel like everyone in this movie tried their best, but this script was a miss. And then it was just oddly directed. And I feel bad because I, I think that, you know, this guy um, who did it, uh, Michael Pfeiffer, I do think that he like has works enough in lifetime that this probably is like a, low point for him but I mean it just was really like it's it's the one I've liked the least out of all the movies I've ever watched for this podcast that I can think of maybe there's been a worse one but this was a real low point for me and like in and the worst part is is that it's a lot of it was just non-committal like it's almost like not worth commenting on like how many ways can you find to say that like the story was lackluster you wish it was told a different way or here's how I would have done it better. Like typically when there's like legitimate criticism, it's more fun, but it's honestly, it was just kind of like here nor there. It was was boring. Yeah. But yeah, I'm going to, I was just going to say, I'm going to make the most of my lifetime movie club free trial and watch the Jodi Arias movie. It's like something else I should watch. It's the best. It's honestly, it's like, it's almost like sad because (laughs) The feedback, the resounding feedback is that the best episode of this show we've ever done is the very first episode we did five years ago. Jodi Arias was, it honestly was, <laughs> I set myself up because I started with a movie that I think is superb. Um, it was like, you know, the peak of our episodes and it was also the very first episode. Now, I'm so happy that people have continued to tune in for the last five years because I think we've done other great movies, but that is honestly to me that was like it's the right mixture of things I'm interested in like techniques in lifetime movie making I'm fascinated with and this great real life story so yeah I love I love Jodi Arias Dirty Little Secret and you know I think that the way they told the movie has almost you know completely biased me to think that like Jodi Arias did not deserve this you just like you just saw uh, special about this. You messaged me the other day and we're like, I didn't realize that she like is in jail for killing some MLM bro. Yeah. I, I honestly, like I knew who she was, but I didn't know the details. And for some reason I just thought like she got away with it. So I was so bummed to see that <laughs> she's in prison for like the rest of her life. Yeah. I was like expecting a good ending and they're like, no, she's like, and I, I want to admit that, like, I want to be very clear that like, I know she's a murderer and like, that's not good. I know that. <laughs> I just also yeah. think it's like, I have a hard time. Like when you see someone test a crazy person and then be it's very leopards ate my face. It's like, what do you mean the leopards ate my face? It's like, yeah, the fucking leopards ate your face. Like the bitch you've been calling crazy. The one that once you died, everyone knows exactly who fucking killed you. Like when everyone knows who killed you, like, I'm sorry. Like there's something to be said there, you know, I don't know. But Amaris, I love you I so much. Wait. I'm going to watch it. 
Yeah, I love you too. It's so good to hear your voice. I know. Voice. We have to like have a, a Zoom or something soon just to like bullshit and talk. But I love you. Thank you for being here today. You guys, thank you so much for listening. If Amaris wants me to link her social medias, I will in the description of this podcast. Please uh, continue to listen to the show. I promise it doesn't get much worse than Party Mom. Although this was a fun episode. Um, Have a great day, guys. Bye. Hey there, it's Rachel Ballinger, and I am extremely excited to invite you to Rachel Uncensored. It's my podcast where I sit down and get real with my friends and celebrity guests where we talk about all sorts of topics, and sometimes we might be under the influence when we do so. We cover things from personal stories to hot-button issues, and it's the only place on the internet you can find an uncensored version of me. It's a side of me that you might not have seen before because it's not the most family or brand friendly. But don't worry, I'm still sort of slightly a decent human being. If you're intrigued, then make sure you check it out. New episodes drop every Wednesday. You can find it on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Trust me, you won't want to miss out on the fun and candid conversations we have here on Rachel Uncensored.